So I want you guys to know that if ever you don't hear from me for 12 hours during this conflict, if it's 12 hours or more, assume that I've been picked up by the SBU and assume that the people most responsible are the Daily Beast. The Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Important follow-up specifically on Gonzalo, Gonzalo Lira and more information around what's going on there. Nothing really definitive just yet, other than it seems pretty clear that he is indeed missing. It's even being reported now by... CNN Chile. And by the way, I do believe he does have U.S. citizenship. I'm still trying to like specifically confirm that, but definitely Chilean citizenship. And they're even reporting it in CNN Chile, but weirdly nowhere else that we can see here in the West, in, in the United States. But on top of that, we have some main outlets now covering that he is indeed missing and his family's worried about him. I'm going to get into the details again to start right out of the gate here to make sure you guys know what's going on there. And Star was able to get that clip done yesterday, so that's already up there for you guys to watch the condensed part of that from yesterday's show. And it's really important to understand what's going on there and what is what, what these groups are capable of, including the Western press that let this happen or actually drove this into reality, basically calling on their Nazi neo-Nazi extremists to come do something. Like I don't know whether the Daily Beast and the person I'll show you actually thinks that's what they did, but that's definitely what happened. But we're also going to talk about some important information in regard to Israel today and discussing what's actually really exploding inside of Gaza and the West Bank and seems to be pretty, Israel's very desperate at this moment about what's really going on there about the, it seems like they don't feel they have the support they once did and they're just sort of lashing out and it's it's chaotic and it's deadly and people are being hurt. Nobody seems to care as usual in regard to the, the typical people that cover these things in the Western media. We're also going to talk today about a really important discussion coming out of the New York Times of all places that are admitting that they know, according to their investigations, and I'll get into why we should take this with a grain of salt, question whether this is real, just like everything else, because that's always the point. They're saying that Ukraine used cluster bombs. They're saying that they their investigation and the evidence that shows that Ukraine used cluster bombs, they're caught using cluster bombs. Of course, they go into the discussion of how they think Russia did too. Or and I'll just be clear, their investigation showing that Russia did them too. My point, you should take them both with a grain of salt. But what's interesting is they're admitting it. But yet all we hear is a one-sided discussion about this, about whether they're bad or whether they're war crimes, but only when one side uses them. These aren't even being discussed as possible war crimes. They're not even saying we should investigate and call the, for criminal action. We should call for war crimes tribunal. Nope, nothing. Just, well, they used them, but it's because Russia's bad and they're fighting back for their freedom. I'm not even making this up. So that's just blatant hypocrisy, even if both sides did, in fact, use them, especially since, of course, we'll continue to show you that the U.S. government that's leading the charge for these investigations are still using them to this very day. And everybody knows that. And they just don't care. Now, we'll get into the discussion around the the munitions convention and and who signed it and so on to let you understand the full picture there. We're also going to talk about Azovstal, the industrial area, specifically the plant where they're all held up, the Azov Battalion, amongst other extremists and Ukrainian government personnel. But it turns out that they're the ones on the record right now saying there's civilians there. 
that aren't allowed to leave. Of course, there's a different coverage from how they're framing that. But what's interesting is the entirety of the Western press is denying that. But they're the ones that are there. And they're the forces that Western press are supporting. And they speak up and say, there are civilians in here. And they say fake news. Why is that exactly? Because I think it's pretty clear that these people have on the record not been allowed to leave. And we'll get into that as well, coming from multiple different locations. And of course, an individual we've already talked about that is very clearly neo-Nazi, very clearly extremist, and one of these people that have been leading the Georgia Legion, specifically with people like Craig Lang, who are being invited to Washington, prominent positions, speaking, taking pictures with New York police forces. I mean, it's it's obscene how obvious this is and how they are, these very same people were screaming that these are really dangerous guys right before this all started. I mean, it, it's amazing that anybody is buying what they're selling you. Now, we're also going to talk about, as I said yesterday, masks specifically, and we're going to get into the microplastics part of it. It's even more relevant because seemingly the federal judge ruling on the mask we talked about yesterday has just exploded throughout the media, which is great to see because it's absolutely a fantastic thing. Again, I don't feel like it's going to stand. I don't even know exactly how to define that statement, like what it will be, whether another judge ruling will change and they'll only point to that one or they'll just find loopholes. But I just don't feel like this is going to go away. Let's put it that way. But this is a good thing, and we'll talk about why it's happening and why it's still dangerous and why the mainstream apparatus just can't even wrap their minds around how this is happening, even though the CDC is the one. It's just pretty hilarious, to be quite honest. But we're also going to talk about new variants that Fauci just knows are coming, which is interesting, seeing as how in the past that's never been an absolute. I mean, it is in a long time sense where they eventually do happen, but not like this. And then we just ignore why that seems to happen with only COVID-19, if that's indeed what's happening, because there's a lot of unknowns there. But we'll get into the history around why these things happen and what actually drives them and what's really driving them today, if that's actually what's happening. And finish off today with some important discussions about the World Economic Forum. It's a little bit of fake news sprinkled in there, of course, and the public health officials that are misleading you. And now other ones that were on their side throughout COVID are standing up and saying, I was wrong the whole time. Of course, the Western media isn't talking about that can't let you see that the people that they were championing are now saying the opposite narrative because well, it destroys their narrative, right? Well, let's start today. I hate when I do that. <laughs> Going through them as I talk to you. Let's start today with Gonzalo Lira because this is Lira because it's a really important conversation that we really need to get out there. A uh, quick couple of quick notes. I just wanted to say that I keep forgetting to bring these the thank yous that I wanted to give out. I keep leaving them at the home office and I forget to bring them and I just I will get to those. Some really amazing things people sent me. I really want to give some shout outs to, but of course they're not in front of me. So I can't do that, but we will get there. Now here is the great clip that was broken down. Uh, looks like Star did this one. Gonzalo Lira is missing. This is from yesterday's show. I won't even include that link. It's on the website. I'd like to check it out because this was a piece way at the end of the show. This is the entire clip right here. This is the Rumble version. This is the one that's on BitChute. Please check both of them out. Or one of them, I mean, whichever place you prefer, I would argue BitChute is way better than Rumble, my personal opinion. Now, here is the just kind of one-shot clip of what I find to be the most important part of this very clear problem that is, I mean, this is the most important piece to exposing what really happened to this person, to Gonzalo specifically. And this Alexi B, or this Boatsman is the, the, the handle, was very clearly involved in this, or at least was stating that he was. And what you, what I forgot to point out very clearly yesterday is that this one of the people in this is clearly part of the Azov Battalion. They're wearing the patch, and they are. They, not, it's not a secret. But what's interesting is here are all of the little different individual tweets that have been captured. But, of course, now suddenly the, the account is gone. Now, we showed you yesterday 
that by the time from the when I started the prep of the show to when I went live, the account went from being protected to being suddenly no longer there. Just deleted entirely. Now, as I understand it, and I will show you, apparently this individual himself is arguing that's made up. I didn't say any of that. That's all fake news. No, I didn't even put those things out there, which, of course, you'll, you'll love to find out is these people aren't very bright and understanding that these things are forever with the way, like the way back machine and the archives, which will prove to you. He very did clearly say. So as we begin, recognize the individual you're looking at right here who said these things that I'll show you again for the podcast specifically is pretending these aren't real. He's saying he's being lied about, except we can prove to you that he very clearly did write them. So what does that show you? That somebody's trying to hide from what they said because it's probably real. I mean, pro I only say probably because you have to be objective, right? We have to be. But I think it's pretty obvious what that shows you. Now let's get into the information. You can look for yourself. Here's the clip I played in the beginning. The point is I just wanted to include this clip because this is Gonzalo Lira saying exactly what that audio clip was saying that I played yesterday. And I just wanted you to see him saying it. His point is simply this, that the Daily Beast, in his opinion, is why this happened. If this is indeed what happened, then it does seem pretty clearly that something happened to him. Now, as Eva Bartlett points out, he could just be that he's hiding because something was about to happen or he got wind of something. That's certainly a possibility. And that's what I call objectivity. I love that. That's important. But we don't know yet. But obviously something is wrong. But his, this clip is him saying that if something happens to me, and he, he's been promising for a long time that he will not go off. He, 12, every, if you don't hear from me in 12 hours, something's wrong. But he makes the point clearly to say that the Daily Beast, which I'll show you, the article that they posted, is why this would happen if it does happen. Because they literally doxed him, called him out, said, this is a guy, he's right here, basically all but saying, SBU, go get this person. I don't even understand why that's acceptable in any realm of pretend journalism, let alone real journalism. I mean, it's just, it's obscene. Now, it sort of ties, draws to, into mind the conversation about the Washington Post so-called journalist that everyone's pointing at today, saying how she went out and doxed the per person who made the libs of TikTok account. Why that's news is beyond me, because it's not, is the point. As Slow News Day pointed out, Steve pointed out, the, here, here's an example of what Washington Post has ignored and listed off like some of the most important stories in the last 10 years and very serious things that they just sat on and didn't talk about and then later showed that they didn't, that they covered up, whatever. But of course, they went to town on going after this individual, doxing somebody, by the way, which, you know, is a bad thing when it happens to them, the protected class of the fake journalists where you can't poke it. You can't even, we all see how this goes, right? You're, they are so sensitive when, and it's happening now, by the way, when people start going after her for doxing these people, she acts all upset like she's being attacked. You're the one that called this person out, exposed their, real, their, their personal identity when that's not something you're supposed to do, but whatever. And by the way, not because they broke the law, but because they're running an account that you don't like because they have different political views. It's childish, as always. But that's what it draws my mind to, right? The idea that, that that's, it's just a very, the way they view things is very hypocritical. Now, he is showing you that Daily Beast called him out and did this stuff, and now he's missing. Now, here is the Daily Beast article itself. You can read it. It's a garbage, disgusting article. How a sleazy American dating coach became a pro-Putin shill in Ukraine of which he cannot prove, as the article itself literally states, we don't know that's true. We have no evidence this person's a Russian. But they just say that, though, because this is the dumpster fire that is the current status of most Western press. It is garbage. How a sleazy American dating coach? I mean, really, that's, that's some objective journalism right there. This is a hit piece, guys. This is what a hit piece looks like. This is tabloid news. That's what this is supposed to be. Now, you read this, and you really come to the conclusion that this has nothing to do with anything other than 
trying to attack his personal life to undermine things that he says, that, which, by the way, most of which you can prove. But who cares about those kind of things? We only want to go look at this guy and what he did in the past. Therefore, ignore what he's saying today. That's called propaganda. Now, I'm not even going to go into this because it just makes me sick. The point is, this person's name is Mark Hay. Not doxing because it's right there in front of you. My point is that this is who he is. I recommend you let him know what you think about this. Now, do not attack this person. Do not go after him. Do not give them the reason to call us what they want to pretend we are, right? Be be honorable, have integrity, but call him out for the garbage that that was and the fact that he put that person's life in danger and possibly got him killed or kidnapped, as we've already shown you what these people are capable of. But Mark Hay does not care. Otherwise, he would have said, I mean, I shouldn't say I know that for sure, but the article shows pretty clearly that he's, doesn't care enough to not write a hit piece on somebody who's in a dangerous situation and literally in a war zone. Of course, find me on Vice, not a big surprise, right? This guy just might as well have propaganda tattooed on his forehead. But let's keep going. Here is another important part of this. Laura Rue points out the U.S. psychopath cheering about Gonzalo Liras, which but there's a few of them, by the way, his disappearance, calling for his murder, in fact, was previously known as Michael John Cirillo. Now the name uh, and gender, of course, of this person has been changed to Sarah Ashton Cirillo. She, he is embedded with Ukrainian forces in Kharkov, which is pretty interesting, right? What's interesting even more so, here is an article from Yahoo News, rather sports Yahoo. Pretty interesting, right? This is from June 3rd, 2021. Look what it says. This undercover operative says she recruited the Proud Boys for the GOP. An undercover operative, huh? That's kind of interesting. Now, the context you could go into a million different angles. The point is it's mainstream media, <clears throat> rather corporate media, admitting that this person is a, as, as Laura Rue points out, an undercover operative pretending to be a trans journalist. In any case, it's very suspect. And the point is this is a person who's literally saying, ha ha ha. So they're now saying I denounced and turned him in. Nope, but we can dream. Like these people are disgusting. Like it's a good thing just because you politically disagree with somebody that they're arrested by foreign extremists. I mean, it's just gross. I don't understand why it's acceptable, except when when we point out genuine, genuine criticism, they frame us as doing what she's doing right there. And I mean, us is just anyone being objective, not necessarily left or right, because hashtag two party illusion. But not to dwell on this point too long, there's a lot of these little side points around this whole story where it seems that there's a lot of really disgusting stuff happening that's being allowed within it all. This is from Heavy.com. Gonzalo Lira reported missing in Ukraine. So it's nice that there's somebody out there reporting about this in the quasi-mainstream media. CNN Chile, of course, reported that he has been missing since April 15th. Isn't it interesting that they're not reporting that on the broader CNN platform, even though this guy isn't American? I mean, what is up with that? Isn't that very, very loud? I mean, that's a, that's one of those, the, the silence is deafening moments, right? CNN Chile reported on April 18th that relatives of Lira had not heard from him since April 15th. That's crazy. CNN Chile's report described him as an author and film director currently living in Kharkiv. Of course, if this was the U.S. version, they would do what the Daily Beast did and probably disparage him left and right and attack his personal life, which has literally nothing to do with the things he's saying about Ukraine as a person living in Ukraine. Unless you just want to ad hominem attack him and undermine the, the things he's saying without actually undermining the things he's saying, right? That's not real. If you want to undermine what he's saying, then talk about what he's saying and explain why it's not right or misinformation or whatever, if you think that. To attack what he's done in his life as if that undermines what he's currently saying is the way they've built things today. That's what they do everywhere, right? Putin's playbook, right? All these subjective, nonsensical things that just are supposed to mean 
that right now is when you're supposed to say what we've taught you from before, right? Wink, wink. Say what we keep saying, right? That's subjective. Eva Bartlett spoke up, independent journalist on Facebook, saying, quote, I'm very sorry to say that I haven't heard from Gonzalo Lira since the morning of April 15th. On April 16th, around 10 a.m., I sent a message asking how he's doing. Normally, he reads and replies very quickly. He hasn't read it. Not even reply, but he hasn't even read it. As you can hear, the red replies. I, I certainly turn that off, but plenty of people don't. She theorized he was either in hiding or capture. So I'm waiting to see if people specifically like Ella Bartlett find out any more. Now, going forward, I swear, I thought there was one other part in there. I guess not. Is this stuff I find to be the most important. Now, this is the real part of this. Now, not, I shouldn't say it like that. This is the really important part, I should say, in this that I think is undeniable, guys. Now, it could be argued this person did lie about this, fake it for some reason, and is embarrassed and now pretending it didn't happen. That's certainly possible, but it speaks much more to the reality that this person is hiding what he did because there's more going on here. So here's Annabelle V, April 19th. Now, remember, these are the, the oh, let me just show you these first again before we go to where it is right here. So these were the ones that he's claiming are fake. It says, would be a real shame if those Bitcoin assassins finally caught up with the coach cringe pill. Like this person basically like kind of insinuating that it's okay this person got killed or rather captured. It is now safe to assume that Gonzalo has either been abducted by SBU or killed by Nazi paramilitary units. And that's what he's saying. It'd be a real shame if they got him. This one basically saying thanks to the Kraken and pointing that Gonzalo is missing. That's their tweet saying that they're responsible. Here he is saying, if anyone knows where Gonzalo Lear is, please make a single bicep pose. That's this guy right here. And that's what he's pointing at. At the very least, suggesting they know, right? And there's the Aza Battalion sitting right there with them, open neo-Nazi groups. Here it is down here saying, the irony of Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean, being caught by a guy with the call sign Chile is hilarious. So now, in very clearly indicating they know the person involved, that they know that they caught him. Anyway, let's hope the beheading pops up on Telegram soon. With the date, time, all of it. Now, here is the interesting part. Since global attention has been brought to the presumed kidnapping of Gonzalo Lira by Azov SBU in Kharkov, the OP, the original poster, Boatsman is the person pointing at, claims he tweets are fake. The account's been deleted, which I showed you yesterday. As the person says, silly rabbit, the internet is forever. Nazis are not the sharpest knives. Now, what's interesting here is that, and this is, I, this is why I grabbed it from right there, and you can find it yourself. I actually included these tweets from yesterday, which you can also do this from. Here they are. So they're clearly not fake. So he's busted. The irony of Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean, being caught by a guy with the call sign Chile is hilarious. He literally says, let's hope the beheading pops up on Telegram. That's like the worst one out of all of them. And he's pretending it's fake. It's right in front of you. Now, you can literally click this link now, and it says it's gone, and like as if it never existed, even though it was protected first. I'm hoping somebody got a screenshot of it saying protected so we can see the transition. Oh, and you can see, here's the one that you couldn't see before. Anyway, I've read them to you. And then she shows you another one. So thank you to Annabelle for grabbing these. And actually, you can see on the video, she basically just showing you that it's a live Wayback Machine version. Here's the other one. If anyone knows where Gonzalo Lira is, please make a single bicep pose. 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt, Alexi B, or rather Boatsman, 
is the one who posted these and is now hiding from it. This person says, hello, Bosman. War is for soldiers. Gonzalo is a writer and he is Chilean. There's a lot of Chileans there fighting for Ukraine. And our government is helping Ukraine too. Please, could you return him to us? And he just simply responds to this, by the way. As if, I mean, what's interesting is if this was wrong, faked, it, whatever. His imme- anybody normal's immediate response would be, well, I didn't take this person. What are you suggesting? Or whatever. Instead, what he does say before he deletes his entire account, do you support the Russian invasion of Ukraine? I mean, guys, this is all but admitting it, in my opinion. Not just this one tweet, but all of these taken in context together. Or at the very least, he was for some reason trying to uh, set the table as if he did. Either way, the fact that it's being ignored and act like not real is very, very telling. Make sure I didn't miss anything on this one. She had a long stream here of information. Okay, good. So this one here. Is the final one I want to show you, where they add, she added a couple of extra points. Meet the Azov neo-Nazi Sergei Valenchenko, call sign Chile, who allegedly kidnapped Gonzalo Lira, according to the AFU boatsman. Here it is, call sign Chile. This is the one of the leaders. This is in an article, and the commander of the Pallian Local Territory Defense. This says right here. Or which one was it? There was a couple down here. Anyway, there's a great stream of information on this that she's been sharing. Now, I can't necessarily confirm the uh, what even, you know, what the Daily Beast or any the mainstream articles that are posted are saying and so on. But it's just a bunch of kind of flowing information about what we're seeing right now from this conversation. What I think is most telling about this, guys, personally, and, and my point is that goes all, she, there's a whole big thread here about a lot of different information. Is that there is no denying that this is real that this person posted this, that he's now missing, and that the Daily Beast essentially initiated this. Called him out, pointed at him, and something happened. Now, where this investigation goes, we'll be following, right? We need to keep track of this because this person, whatever you think about him, has every right to speak his mind about what's going on, especially because he's currently there. Now, look, I mean, even the argument is that, you know, Russian spy, right? That's what they want to keep yelling. Shouldn't you prove that, especially from a, a government pretending to be a representative government ba- when they're currently backing an openly neo-Nazi extremist government and caring about whether these Americans or Chileans are being captured by these people? And I showed you yesterday that they're openly killing people. The person shot in the back of the head outside the courthouse, the person, the, the recent person that was the, the opposition individual that was captured, they are just knocking people down left and right, and they're bragging about it openly. Of course, their government will then backtrack it and say, well, no, this wasn't confirmed, except they're on their own social media accounts saying it. Now, whether they're lying about it or not, those are the very people you're supporting with your donations. They're standing there championing, yelling how lovely it is that they murdered this person because he's a traitor. So either they're lying about it or not, either way, they're proud to say it. It pretty clearly gives you an insight into who these people are, despite the fact that they're actively trying to hide what the Azov Battalion very clearly is, even as they right now write about it and call them alt-right or extremist or whatever, and yet then still promote them and still, and still point at them and use them as source material. I really hope that he is not in trouble. But every moment that goes by, I find it almost impossible to see it any other way. I'm really hoping that he has just got away somehow and is just keeping secret quiet until something blows over. But damn it, guys. These people need to be held accountable for what they're doing. Now, going over to Israel, 
very similar conversation because let's not forget that Zelensky and his advisors and plenty of others are telling you that Ukraine is now the new Israel. That's not my, that's not my words. That's what they're saying in, in multiple different contexts. This is the new Israel, but bigger. That's what the advisor said. Zelensky said, this is, we're building it like a new Israel. They are saying this right out of their own mouth. Now, that's not a good thing, understanding what Israel's government is absolutely doing. As Human Rights Watch and Bethlehem and Amnesty International, all of them openly call them a supremacist uh, uh, apartheid state. That is their words. Now, what's really interesting is that that exact sentiment was called anti-Semitic and still is, by the way, despite the leading human rights organizations pointing at that government, the government, and saying that's what they are. Isn't that a little counterintuitive? It is. It's ridiculous. But that's where we are because the world is controlled by these powerful individuals. I don't mean all of it everywhere all the time, but there is an absolute level of control over the flow of information, over what we're allowed to discuss, the Overton window, everything we've talked about. Now, here's a great article from uh, Robert from today. Israel attacks Al-Aqsa Mosque, West Bank, and Gaza. Is this war? Interesting question, right? Because this is always going on, but what's happening now is different. He argues, yes, this is different because things have changed quite a bit. Now, what's really disgusting about this, and here's just a quick clip of the mosque itself being raided by Israelis. Now, what you're seeing there is a bunch of people that are not doing anything wrong and aren't breaking the law. They're simply just in the mosque as Muslims, as Palestinians, and they don't want them there. That's not even a secret, guys. They literally did this more than once to get them out of the way so uh, so mem- uh, Israeli citizens could come in and, without them being there. That's like an open statement. Now, the point is that these people are not armed. They're not doing anything wrong. Now, yes, apparently there were some kids and individuals throwing rocks, not inside the mosque, but the point is, or I mean, look, the reports I've seen are not from inside. Plus, I could be objective and argue that maybe there were some inside. Either way, the point is that these people you're staring at were not part of that, and it just became shoot at shoot everybody, get everybody out of the way. That's not what any kind of even, even pretend democracy does, guys. That's what an authoritarian, tyrannical state does. Now, of course, these were bullets. Real bullets, by the way, as well as rubber co- rubber-coated bullets. Either all of which are crimes, especially in this context. But as it says, their occupation stormed the mosque on this was last Friday, resulting in the injuring of 350 Palestinians, 117 of which needed hospital care. In what the Western mainstream media describes as clashes, which is just so insulting, because there's no clashes happening here. They were standing still and they got attacked. Heavily armed Israeli occupation forces began opening fire with tear gas and rubber-coated steel bullets. And as it goes forward, you'll see there are some actual live fire that happened as well, following a protest at the site that started after morning prayers. The Israeli forces injured Palestinians who were throwing stones at them, but also unarmed worshippers, journalists, medical workers, women, children, even shot a Jordanian guard of the site itself in the eye. Guys, how in the world does anybody pretend that that makes sense? Anybody. Anywhere else except this exact situation, except maybe Russia doing it to Ukraine, right, would be completely called out. Or, I mean, the other way around, Ukraine, you know, whatever. The point is that in these hypocritical situations, specifically when it happens right like this between Palestine and Israel, if Israel's the aggressor, it never gets pointed at. It's just that obvious. That's exactly what happened. It's on video. And this and the guy, the, the guard of the site of Al-Aqsa Mosque, a Jordanian person was shot in the eye. And yet we're pretending like this would make sense. And I mean, imagine if this was the United States. Imagine if this was a, a 
I mean, it doesn't have to be some kind of like Antifa Black Lives Matter, you know, framing as we tend to do these days. But just think about anybody because it is a racial thing. Right. Think about a a church here being attacked like this because they believe a different thing. I mean, this is just there's no way we can pretend that anywhere else in the world this would make sense. This is disgusting. This is what an apartheid state looks like. But the point is. Unless they are Russians right now, it seems like nobody cares. But aside from that, even before that, nobody cared about this. Now, Robert's article gets into what's really going on, how this is building to something. And now they're getting attacked inside the West Bank, from Gaza, from outside, from Lebanon, everywhere. This is building against them. And the point is that they've, they've lost momentum if they ever had it because people can see what's really happening there now because of work from Robert, because of people that are actually calling it out. But just think about the hypocrisy of stuff like this compared to what they're bleeding about, which they can't prove likely because they're being made up, in my opinion, what's going on in Ukraine. Here is another report. This is from today. Eight Palestinians, on top of what you just saw, injured by Israeli soldiers as they simply march in the West Bank. This keeps happening. And we already showed you examples of this. It shouldn't be disputed anymore. Walking up to a child, a, 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 a father and a child and just start hitting them in the legs, not armed as they try to run away and they follow and keep smacking them with their batons. There's no way. This, this is what they do. Now, is there times when it doesn't happen? Of course. Is there times when it's justified? Probably. But in, the, in a large context, as we see on an everyday basis, these people are attacking them mindlessly, baselessly. Look into this stuff for yourself, guys, because the sure as hell, the corporate media is not going to tell you about it. They're marching because of what's going on, and they get attacked anyway. Here is why, uh, why net and dot, uh, news. And this is the kind of disgusting, insulting statements that you get from the UN, from the U.S. government, when a one-sided action happens. They rush in, they, they attack people in an open display of war crimes and human rights violations, right? Do they stand up and say, Israel shouldn't be doing this, that Israel should slow down, that they should back up because these are crimes? Nope. They say, you, Blinken from the U.S. stresses the importance of the status quo. What does that even mean? So you're so you're calling all of them out? Did they so who so this is this this is the equivalent of somebody walking up and stabbing another person, and then you go, both of you should cool it. <laughs> both of you need to calm down. What are you talking about, Blinken? This is a gross representation of why you ignore how you ignore what happens on one side of an argument, just like what's happening in Ukraine. The status quo. You should be disgusted by yourself, but they don't care. Turkey launches a new offensive against the PKK in northern Iraq. So this is the last point going into the starting with the cluster munitions. But I want us to think about the contrast here, the obvious hypocrisy. Everybody's losing their minds because they're told to everybody, the small grouping of people that they're pretending are the majority, bleeding about how everybody's in. We need to care about Ukraine. I stand with Ukraine, except nobody seems to care about Iraq right now. Why not? Did you even know about Iraq? Turkey is currently engaging in an offensive in northern Iraq right now because of their own agenda, not because of what the U.S. is saying, not because of what NATO is doing. They're just doing their own thing. Is that why is that even allowed? Why is that even legal? Spoiler alert, it's not in neither case. But because they're a NATO ally and because they don't really want to point that out, because currently the U.S. government's also illegally occupying Iraq, eh, they just pretend like it's not there. Turkish defense minister said a new military offensive is going on in Iraq on Sunday. I mean, that's, you're declaring war, essentially, but they're not going to say that. The operation involved an unknown number of ground troops. They're on the ground. That's boots on the ground in Iraq. As with most Turkish offensives, the target is the Kurds. The Kurds, which, by the way, are a U.S. ally, or at least they 
pretend they are when they want them to be. Of course, this is a NATO ally now stepping in and going after them. And guess what? The U.S. is going to leave them high and dry like they always seem to do when they don't have an a, a, a advantageous aspect to what they're doing. In this case, Turkey is accusing them of movements planned, large-scale attacks. Like, do they prove it? No. Who cares? Now, I'm not pretending the Kurds, by the way, in this context are the people that I would support. I, I do argue that they're just puppets being manipulated by outside forces, not necessarily that they're as... They're not the level of, let's say, Hayat al-Sham, but I would argue that they have been infiltrated by similar groups because of what's happening there. But long story short, the argument is that this is not justified in any way, shape, or form. No one needs to verify the, the, the planning of a large-scale attack. That's called the Bethlehem Doctrine. You are arguing that they're going to do something without proving it and then using that argument to push in and attack them. The only groups that allow that or do that in the world are the UK, the United States, and Israel. And it's called the Bethlehem Doctrine. I've done entire segments on it. They literally just say we, they might do it. And in the document itself, it says if you have enough evidence to think that they could in the future do something, meaning that you just have to think that they're capable of it and then just say that, then you can literally attack somebody. That's not legal, by the way. It's outright illegal, but they do it anyway. Troops have been airlifted into areas by helicopters. Heavy strikes hit bunkers and shelters. By the way, if there's people there, does anybody care about the civilians of Iraq? No, nope, doesn't matter. Campaigns like these tend to be long and involve disproportionate amounts of damage to local Kurdish civilians. Exactly. But don't expect to hear this and people seeing I stand with Iraq, having flags on their Twitter accounts. Nope, won't matter. Despite the fact that more people have died in Iraq over the long, long, ongoing occupation and in wars that they've waged in Iraq than we're seeing in Ukraine right now. But still, doesn't matter because apparently we only are allowed to care about what they'll tell you to look at. Iraq calls on Turkey to pull out of the forces, pull all of their forces out of the north. The north specifically, this is today, but even further, business insiders pointing out that Iraq is calling on them to withdraw the troops from Iraqi territory in general. But nothing will happen, I promise you. Turkey doesn't care what Iraq says because they don't see them as a real entity. They know that the U.S. controls Iraq. So as long as the U.S. doesn't, pretend, doesn't point at what they're doing, and maybe they've already agreed not to, then nothing will happen. Nobody will care. Despite the fact that this is a gross violation of international norms, a gross violation of Iraqi sovereignty, and just a violation of anything you want to point at, legally speaking. They are breaking the law, killing civilians. Nobody cares. Talk about hypocrisy. Here is one last point. The Houthis are also pointing out, as the, it's in the ceasefire discussions, right? Because I keep pointing out why this doesn't, it's a, a manipulation when they pretend that there's a ceasefire conversation and only Russia's the one violating stuff, even as, as that happens, Delinsky's calling out, you know, carrying out all kinds of propaganda attacks in the media and saying that Russia is bad and still attacking on the ground and, and putting weapons right up along the border. I mean, this stuff's been documented. So it's not really a ceasefire when they keep doing stuff, right? Same thing happens in Saudi Arabia with Yemen. Same thing happens all over the place. So here's another ceasefire that was supposed to be happening in Yemen. But guess what? The U.S. government steps in and starts taking action, which the Houthis saw as a red line. So that what you need to see there is the illusion of a ceasefire with the U.S. knowingly pushing the line they knew would drive them to not accept it and then acting like they broke it manufacturing consents, problem, reaction, solution. They're creating the illusion as if they're the ones that did what they were supposed to simply by calling the action they took, which is a crossing a red line action, something different. Sort of like what we're doing with NATO and Ukraine. Oh, well, we didn't, there's no red line because it's all for freedom. We're all protecting, we're protecting the people in Ukraine. Well, none of that means anything when you realize that regardless of what your narrative is, you still cross a red line, which you knew was a red line. So you knew when you did it, that they would have to take action. The point is it was a man, it's engineering a reality and just framing it differently. The Houthis are saying the U.S. Naval Task Force, which we told you about a couple weeks ago or so, is undermining the truth. 
their Houthis are deep or Ansarallah movement, which is what they're really called, are deeply critical of last week's announcement of a naval task force to patrol the Red Sea, which, by the way, was pretty much always the agenda here to control the Abab al-Mandeb Strait as well as the Strait of Hormuz. That's the whole idea to control the flow of specifically oil, in my opinion, from, from Saudi Arabia. And the point is they need these areas because if they're stopped, if they're controlled by, let's say, Iran, which is Strait of Hormuz, on the other side of it would be the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, which is controlled by Yemen, essentially. But when they don't control those two areas, they need control of those. They're screwed. In regard to the worrying that Iran could, let's say, shut down the strait, which would disrupt the flow of oil. This is exactly why there was a regime change in Egypt. For the Sinai, the Sinai Canal, I believe is what it's called. Those are the only three locations. I should bring up a map and show you, but I'll do that later. The point is, them patrolling this area is obviously not okay with Yemen. Which means that why would they maintain a ceasefire if they're openly taking action, which basically just fills the role of what Saudi Arabia was doing? As it says, it contradicts the spirit of the brokered peace or truce. The U.S. said the task force was meant to stop the smuggling of drugs and stuff, right? That, that's my point. That's the narrative. Let's pretend like the U.S. government cares at all about the smuggling of drugs as the CIA gets caught like every Thursday for smuggling drugs. But who cares? right? Weapons and people. Oh, you mean like you guys do all the time? It's a lie, guys. I don't, whether they, it's about trying to stop the flow of things they don't want to get to Yemen, like maybe weapons, maybe food to feed their people. Now, the point is the U.S. narrative, of course, mirrors exactly the pretext for Saudi Arabia's naval blockade on Yemen, which is a gross war crime because over 90% of all their food and everything comes through that port. It's really about controlling the Bab el-Mandab Strait and basically starving these people until they give up. And they keep switching the narrative. That never stopped. Decades now, they've been starving these people. But let's point over there at Ukraine as neo-Nazis fight against people. The ceasefire was just taking hold. The blockade was easing. And then the U.S. announced its plan to scale it up. Right. So the blockade was easing, which is just barely starting to get things to come back into Yemen. Oh, thank God we're not, you know, we can get some flow of food into the country. And then the U.S. just brings up a wholly different narrative, acting like they're not connected. Oh, we're just patrolling for drugs and stuff. But guess what happens? The same thing. They're still blocking food. They're still blocking access to the port. So nothing changed other than what the narrative was. And then when the Yemen goes, well, screw it then. We're not going to keep the truce because you're not doing what you said. They're going to pretend like, no, we are. Look, Saudi Arabia stopped. And we're not doing what you say we're doing. So you're lying. It's all narrative. It's always all been narrative, guys. And that's not to suggest that the Ansarallah movement isn't capable of doing their own bad things. The point is, this is just simply blatant, obvious manipulation. So bringing this over to the conversation of, let's say, cluster bombs, cluster munitions, it's amazing the kind of equivocation, the mental gymnastics that the, the corporate media are doing on a regular basis. Remember all the conversations? I mean, even the discussion about what supposedly happened in the train station. Don't forget the BBC themselves were the ones saying that those were probably cluster munitions because they were pretending that only Russia could use them. Well, to, that, doesn't that open this door now? It should. As the New York Times is writing, to push back Russians, comma, Ukraine's hit a village with cluster munitions. Right. So it's only because Russia bad guy, not that they just indiscriminately don't care about the villages you pretend they're protecting, right? In any case, guys, you should take this with a grain of salt because for whatever, the New York Times is not trustworthy. They're simply not. They've been caught lying or towing lines from the Ukrainian government over and over and over, or going back to Iraq or going back to Syria or whatever you want to point at. That being said, they're saying they have evidence to prove that Ukraine used cluster munitions. Now, they also say they have evidence that Russia did them or used them. 
Now, I'm going to get into why it's likely even that Russia might use them. But you have to understand the context about what they're saying that they have done or why they would use them. And then you have to remember who each side really specifically who these neo-Nazi extremists are and what they've said that they would do. Now, Russia is very capable as a government of using things against people that would hurt them for their own agenda. I don't think any government would really shy away from that. But they're not saying they're going to use them. And their stated policy makes it very clear that it's only specific events in certain times, especially defensively. But these people have openly said that they want to hurt these people, have already been caught hurting these people, for eight years have been committing ethnic cleansing in the Donbass region. I mean, guys, this, despite what the narrative is in the Western press, this stuff is on the record. They were telling you this before it all shifted on February 25th. That's why this is so frustrating for people like us. They're right now going, that's fake news, as you could point to their article saying that months before. That's ridiculous. So when you when you consider everything, realize that, yes, the Russian government's capable of this. But what we're seeing here is evidence of them being carried out in the way that they told you that they would against civilians. And now even The New York Times is saying they sure as hell did. So if you want to still continue to consider that Russia used them, which I haven't seen unequivocal proof of. Just also acknowledge that the Ukrainian government is using them, too, because, see, that's the problem right now is that's not happening. As it says, it was in early March when the spent warhead of a cluster munition rocket landed next to Yuri uh, Doroshenko's home in eastern Ukraine. Now, Yuri Doroshenko is this woman here. Oh, no, this was the other one. In any case, this woman here, the picture I used today, is from another village where we're talking about Ukrainian forces bombing the area. The point is that the, I mean, just thinking about just the picture, Right. This is how it's all about context, right? They give you images and different things. Now, if we just if, if New York Times posted the image and said, a woman crying because Russia murdered her family, well, who's going to say otherwise? Who's going to ask her? Who, how, who's going to find out? The point is, this is what's happening, guys. They're and it, being caught for doing so. Meanwhile, as we've shown you in a thousand other videos, that an, an onslaught, just an endless procession of people coming out of Mariupol, coming out of different locations, and telling you on the record what they're seeing, which is that the Azov Battalion is just ruining them, raping, murdering, pillaging, starving, manipulating. It's not my words. That's what people in Ukraine are saying. Far more examples of what anybody's pointing at from the Western press. Now, it says... Having dispensed this lethal bomblets over the village, which is what these munitions do, they were shelling and it hit the street, he said. These types of internationally banned weapons, according to the New York Times, have been reportedly used by the Russian military. Now, or reportedly is the point, guys. Reportedly. Because it's coming from Ukraine sources that are saying it happened. Now, as they're admitting that they have them and Ukraine did use them, we should ask whether that's a lie. I don't know why anybody would shy away from that obvious question. But it says that they reportedly used them since it invaded in February. Human rights groups have denounced their use. Western leaders have linked their presence to a bevy of war crimes, ale allegations leveled at Moscow. You see my point? is we're, at a point, we're now comparing what they're saying they've proven to allegations coming from Ukraine about what Moscow has done. It says, but the cluster munitions that landed next to Mr. <laughs> Not that I don't make typos, but I love watching Western press make typos. Because they've got a whole team reading these things and they still miss stuff. And I rarely do, I think. But cluster munitions that landed two next to Mr. Doroshenko's house was not fired by Russian forces. Based on evidence reviewed by the New York Times. But even right there, I would argue, it sounds like they're suggesting when they weirdly don't tell you, which I think is interesting, that if it was reviewed by them, it was probably sent to them. I highly doubt the New York Times is on the ground in Ukraine. I just don't believe it. 
but these this is why it should be a grain of salt. If it's they're getting sent evidence, you should question it. Even if they're the one telling you they did the investigation, you should still question it. But the point here is simply that they're now telling you, even if it's a lie, that they're stating that Ukraine did it. Even And that whole sentiment is being disputed, like absolutely across the board from everyone on one side of this. That's just not possible. They're only fighting for freedom and they only care about democracy. And it's just these childish level ideas. Based on the evidence reviewed by the New York Times during a visit to the area. See, that's this. I just... I find it next. I just don't believe these people are actually doing what they're saying they're doing. They're probably hiring people within the battalions to be there as their representatives, which, by the way, they get caught for all the time, like in Syria, being embedded with Hayat al-Sham. I mean, these are the people they work with. Or that was BBC, but at the same point, it says it is like, very likely to have been launched by the Ukrainian troops who were trying to retake the area. It says at least two people were killed as Ukrainian forces shelled it for the better part of a month. Of course, targeting Russian forces. But there's only you can either take that as accidentally con- killing people on a regular basis, or that they're just indiscriminately doing this, or they're targeting them. Either way, none of that adds up with what you're being told from the corporate media. The New York Times telling you they killed people by bombing a village. The Ukrainians' decision to saturate their own village with a cluster munition that has the capacity to haphazardly kill innocent people underscores a strategic calculation, which is, of course, obviously what they're doing, right? Strategically calculating how they can use them to hurt Russia. No, that's silly. The idea, these cluster bombs are meant to be used as punitive measures, guys, because the whole idea, as you'll see, is they just sprinkle a bunch of munitions on the ground, most of which don't actually go off, and they get picked up and stepped on and however else happens, guys. This is constant. Why would you use that over a village you're supposed to be protecting? This is a no-brainer. You either don't care about those people, or you're trying to do it to blame Russia, or how you could add a lot of different things, but the one thing it's not is that you care about the people underneath you as you do so, because they knew that they were there. That's what the New York Times is telling you. Their decision to saturate their own village with cluster munitions was just a strategic calculation, right? What a friendly way to frame that. If the allegation of Russia using them is absolute war crime right to the highest level. It says this is what they needed to do to retake their country, no matter the cost. Yeah, including the civilians that they're killing, right? So even that, it's funny how the same way you, you can frame child soldiers as an absolute terrible thing when it's over there, but we're doing it, it's children stepping up to fight for their country. It's just, it's all framing. So it's, it's okay when they do anything at any cost to get their country back, when they do it because freedom, but I mean, it's just, it's just dumb. It's a bad thing no matter who does it, Russia or Ukraine especially when they do it indiscriminately, which is what they're literally telling you right now. Haphazardly. Kill innocent people. Cluster munitions, a class of weapon comprising rockets, bombs, missiles, mortars, and artillery shells, split open midair and dispense smaller bomblets over a wide area, which many, many of which actually explode. But understand, even then, the idea is that you're doing this indiscriminately. You can't really control where they fall. So the, the, the argument to use these things over an area you're supposed to be protecting is just ridiculous. And the idea here is this is what they, I'll get to that in a minute about Russia's, Russia's at least statement about why they don't sign these the conventions and why that they use them in specific ways. Their argument is they would never use them like this. Of course, they could be lying. The hazard to civilians remains significant until any unexploded munitions have been located properly disposed of by experts, which, by the way, almost never happens, as I'll show you again next. Examples of the U.S. government using these knowingly in Cambodia and Iraq, and, and then they're left there. And then 10 years later, some child steps on it and kills or blows his hands off. These things happen and have happened are documented. 
The Convention on Cluster Munitions, which took effect in 2010, bans their use because of the indiscriminate harm that they can cause to civilians. Humanitarian groups have noted that 20% or more of the anti-personal submunitions fail to detonate on impact, yet they can explode later if they're picked up or handled. More than 100 nations have signed the pact, though the United States, Ukraine, and Russia specifically have not. Isn't that interesting? All three of them haven't signed this, haven't signed it. Now, Russia, as I'll show you again next, has an argument for what they're doing, and it could be lying. It's 50-50. You should definitely think that. But the United States government basically says openly that they're going to use them anyway. Again, it's about really comparing the reality. Now, you could argue that Russia's got a really nefarious agenda and that they're just not saying it out loud, but you don't know that. And there's really no evidence of that other than the fact that they're claiming that it's happening. On the other side, you see the U.S. government openly using them, getting called out for using them by the Human Rights Watch in Iraq and everywhere else, and then basically just saying we're going to use them because we can't make them safer. So they're literally saying it on the open and and, and only one side of it you call out? It's just childish, guys. We need to see that. Both of them should be called out if, in fact, both of them are using them the way that this states. And we should demand evidence of that. And you know what? There's a lot of evidence of the U.S. government using them (laughs) right in front of you right now. Now it goes on to say, it, quote, it's not surprising, but it's definitely dismaying to hear that evidence has emerged indicating that Ukraine may have used cluster munitions in this current conflict, according to the advocacy director of the arms division at Human Rights Watch. Quote, cluster munitions are unacceptable weapons that are killing and maiming civilians across Ukraine. An advisor to the Ukrainian Armed Forces in the Ministry of Defense declined to comment. Isn't that interesting? They're sure as hell just chopping at the bit to speak about everything all the time. And suddenly they get caught and they just no comment. It's just very telling, I think. The point, though, is that overall, overall, you've got a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that they definitely use them and could and have used them. And the sentiment they express about the people that they're attacking and why they things like, you know, dipping their bullets in pig fat when they fight Muslims because they want them not to go to heaven, which was openly stated by the Azov Battalion, the very group that you're sending money to. Right. Might as well just show you that again, since people probably would not believe that unless they saw it. Ukrainian fighters grease bullets against Chechnyans with pig fat, right? A video showed the National Guard Ukraine shows Azov fighters dipping bullets to used against Muslims in pig fat. Why? Because they, they, they were saying that good, they won't go to heaven then, because that's what they believe. Here's the tweet. By the way, still up by Twitter. Still there. This is literally the National Guard of Ukraine blue checked account. And of course, with their little neo-Nazi symbol in the, in, the, in, the, in the account, Azov fighters, the National Guard, greased the bullets with lard against these people, the orcs, because that's what they call them. It's a derogatory term. There's no hiding this, guys. This is what they are right now during this. And people are sending the money. I stand with Ukraine when you're literally sending money directly to these people, because that's what has been immersed in this government since 2015. Because of the CIA, of course, and different discussions, I might as well include that, too. So we're not going to get into that really today. But this is a good tweet that I put out that has all the links to these basic breakdowns of reality. The FBI admitting that they're a Nazi group. The FBI admitting that they have an arm in the United States. The FBI admitting that the Rise Above movement is the international arm of the Azov Battalion. The the, the Nation article admitting to you that they made sure to remove the ban that that stopped weapons to going to the Azov Battalion, even though the Western press still argues that's there. It's not. They removed it back in 2016 under pressure from the Pentagon. I mean, this is just really basic stuff, guys, but it's all there. Information you can see that the CIA has been working with them since 2015, all linked and sourced. You can check it for yourself. It says the the, the 220 millimeter Oregon artillery rocket that landed near 
Mr. Doroshenko's home, fired from a truck-mounted launcher many miles away, struck on either March 6th or 7th, said Mr. Doroshenko, the town's informal leader. Ukrainian forces incessantly shelled the troops there. And at least two of the same type of cluster munition were lodged, lodged in a field by Mr. Doroshenko's home. I mean, it's pretty obvious what that's showing you. They're just indiscriminately bombing cluster munitions at the Russians because they're generally. And here's the point that even New York Times makes clear. The Russians were not embedded with the civilians. They were near them. Very different than what you're hearing from Mariupol and everywhere else where they're going. They were on my roof. They actually shot at us when we tried to leave that they were they started a fire on our roof and burned our house down. Like this is openly being stated by pretty much everybody coming out of Mariupol that I can find. The difference is here that they're not doing that. Now, they're near them because there's a war going on. But ask yourself why the one that's supposed to be protecting these innocent civilians, as the Western press tells you, are instead just indiscriminately bombing an entire area with things they can't control that are hurting civilians right in front of them. As it says, just a few hundred yards away from the makeshift headquarters in an abandoned farm workshop, not in the civilian areas, which is what the Ukrainian government keeps doing. The rockets fell around small neighborhoods over a dozen or so single-story homes interspersed, interspersed with small gardens. It's right in front of you. So here are the Russians over there, and instead the rockets fall kind of indiscriminately all over the neighborhoods. That's the Ukrainian Azov battalion that they're saying did that right in front of you. During a visit to the property in Mr. Doroshenko Street on Thursday, the Times reporters collected metal fragments left over from the detonation of the munitions and that had been released by the artillery rockets. Now ask yourself why they can go to all this immediate work from this discussion, but they seemingly can't investigate the train station, they can't investigate Bucha, and actually actually go in there and actually get the evidence to prove whether or not the, like, the bodies in the ground in Bucha could have been tested. How long were they there for? How long? I mean, it's obvious, guys. They were not there for a week in 50-degree temperature the way they looked in the images they showed you. It very clearly proves to you that they were put there after the fact. There's also evidence of them dragging them into place that I showed you on my show. They pretend they're trying to look for IEDs, except that's not obviously what they're doing. They were going back and touching it and going closer, and they're trying to drag it from like 10 feet away. That's ridiculous. Any military person would laugh pretending that was anything other than moving their bodies. Where's their investigation with those? It's weird how they selectively choose which one they want to investigate. As the rockets neared the farm, their warheads would have separated from the weapons rock solid rocket mortars, breaking open and casting their deadly cargo across the neighborhood. And they would know this, too. These small munitions each contain the equivalent of about 11 ounces of TNT, slightly less than twice as much as a standard hand grenade. So imagine a bomb just littering two times hand grenades all over your neighborhood. Does that sound like somebody protecting you? Now, don't forget that they have openly, Zelensky has openly accused Russia of being the one doing that, doing the one, the ones using cluster munitions on these areas. But here's the New York Times calling them liars. Now, they're not going to point out that Zelensky lied about this because they don't want that to be seen. The attack on the farm here appears to be the first verified use of cluster munitions by the Ukrainian troops. Verified. They're saying they verified that. Which, again, you should question, like anything coming from the Western press. My point is not that that means it's proven. My point is that means that they're telling you it happened, which is something that's still being disregarded by people that don't want to look at it. In 2015, Ukrainian forces used cluster munitions. Again, guys, remember, this is the time when they were being influenced by the CIA. So they're telling you they used munitions on civilians in 2015. 
during the opening months of the war against Russian-backed separatists in the country's east, which was a, a gigantically civilian-populated area we're talking about here. The Donbass collectively, the Donetsk or the Luhansk regions we're talking about. They use So if we're going to pretend or blatantly state that they use them under U.S. control, why would they not be using them now? I mean, it's just kind of silly. When confronted with the prospect that the Ukrainian military had shelled his village with cluster bombs, Mr. Doroshenko seemed indifferent. Yeah, that's pretty telling, isn't it? Probably because he's seen it the entire time. On April 8th, the Times verified that a similar kind of this rocket loaded with anti-vehicle landmines was fired by Russian troops in a strike against the town of Bezurki, excuse me, Bezruki, a a suburb of Kharkiv, one Ukraine's second largest city, once Ukraine's second largest city. Now, the point here is I'm just including this to show you that this is what they're saying, that they claim they verified this, but you can click on the link yourself and you'll find the exact kind of argument I'm making. That the time, When they say they verified this, most of this comes from Ukrainian entities on the ground. Relaying information about what they say Russia has done, which is very different than what we're saying here, which when they're at least claiming they're on the ground, literally speaking to these people. Which then you could argue that they would lie and so on. That's my point about how this stuff should be questioned. But they're only questioning one side. The danger to civilians is no different under the barrels of Ukrainian artillery as their forces desperately try to retake the parts of the country under Russian control. Exactly. But you sure sure as hell frame it differently by pretending like it's sort of justified because Russia bad guy. This woman down here in the picture lost her husband during the shelling of the town by Ukrainian forces at the end of March. So my point again, if they had said this woman's upset because Russia murdered her family, everybody anywhere that's on that side wouldn't even balk at that. Except that's not what you're looking at. This is a woman crying because the Ukrainians fighting for freedom against Russia just indiscriminately bombed her village. At least they claimed they were fighting Russia at the time. In any any case, it killed her husband. Is there any accountability for that? No, because nobody's even pointing at these things. Now, I'm not saying that these things don't happen in a war situation, especially when, well, you also have to remember these people could have probably left and the Ukrainian government wouldn't let them leave. That's not what you're hearing, but that's what's happening. As that's even been admitted by the Ukrainian side, we're not going to let them go to Russia. Well, sure, then you're keeping them in place then. Which, by the way, leads to one of the next points, I think, is where we're getting into the Avastol discussion. Azovstal. But before we do that, I want to just reiterate the points I made quickly before. that this is the, this is the U.S. government's own documentation coming directly from the Congressional Research Service. This is directly from U.S. Congress. Updated March 9th. To include the allegations of potential use by Russia, which is what they say, which is weird because this isn't supposed to be a hypothetical document. It's supposed to be evidence of things that have been used. Which, so, of course, they think they jam that in there to make it look like it wasn't just the U.S. government using them because that's what this is discussing. NATO forces dropped cl- 1,765 cluster bombs. Think of what we just described, guys. Containing approximately 295,000 submunitions. That means 295 two times hand grenades two times the power of hand grenades, being littered across civilian locations. From 2001 to 2002, the United States dropped 1,228 cluster bombs containing 248,000 submunitions in Afghanistan, and the U.S. and British forces used almost 13,000 cluster munitions containing an estimated 1.8 million to 2 million submunitions during the first three weeks of the combat in Iraq. This is all over civilian areas. And by the way, that's not supposed to be used right there. Just because they didn't sign the convention doesn't mean they're still not war crimes, guys. These are war crimes. They just pretend like, well, we didn't sign it. We don't care. 
Now, you, and I'll, I'll make the same argument about Russia when we get to that point next. The point is simply, that, oh, and the other point was what Israel's done right here. In 2006, Israeli use of cluster munitions against Hezbollah forces in Lebanon resulted in widespread international criticism. Israel was said to have fired significant quantities of cluster munitions, primarily in the last three days of the 34-day war, after a UN ceasefire had been declared. Same point with Yemen, same point with Saudi Arabia, same point with Ukraine. So they declare a ceasefire, and then Israel just indiscriminately bombs most of them. Most of their bombs get carried out in the last three days after a ceasefire. Why would you do that? Either because you wanted to break the ceasefire, or because you wanted them to act from it and pretend they broke the ceasefire. Or just because you're an evil person that wants to kill people. But that's the narrative they send to spin everywhere, and I don't believe that's ever the case. Not that they're not evil, but that they would just do it just to kill people. I just kind of don't believe that in most cases. Now, to be quite honest, if there was ever a group that would do that, it's going to be somebody that's supremacist, which is what the Human Rights Watch, what Betselem and Amnesty International are all saying about the Israeli government, that they have a supremacist mentality, an apartheid mentality like South Africa, which in history are the groups that tend to ethnically cleanse, and that would be a group that would do things like this. But that's just hypothetical. None of, the only thing we're talking about is they did use it, and they did violate a ceasefire to use them, and the use of them was a war crime in and of themselves. But why don't we point at these things? Was there ever accountability? Nope, nothing. 2017, forward, U.S. embraces cluster munitions. Here is an, an individual when he was a kid who got lost the, his arms and his eyes because of a cluster munition that the U.S. government left behind. This is a 2008 convention on cluster munitions. This is the discussion. This, this individual lost his eyesight in both of his hands when one of these submunitions exploded while he was just searching for scrap metal in the ground, near his home in Cambodia. Of course, the U.S. used cluster bombs extensively in Cambodia. Why? Why in civilian areas? Nobody even knows or cares because nobody ever got held accountable for it. That's how this works. Quote, after spending hundreds of millions of dollars supposedly researching alternatives to cluster munitions, which, by the way, why do you even need an alternative? Just don't use them. There's plenty of other bombs to use. The U.S. has decided that it can't produce safe cluster munitions so they'll stop using them? So they'll make sure nobody else ever uses them? No. So it will keep using unsafe versions. That was their decision. That's according to Mary Wareham, Arms Division Advocacy Director for the Human Rights Watch. Why is that an acceptable statement? So we couldn't figure out how to make them safe, so we're just going to keep using the dangerous ones, even though the whole world has decided they're bad? Yes. Because we do them for freedom, though. That's why. Childish. Now, here is the Russian Federation's argument under their policy. Now, understand again, Ukraine, Russia, and the United States have not signed this convention. This was updated 2016. Here's what it says. Russia has stated that, quote, cluster munitions still preserve their status of non-prohibited weapon and, quote, cannot be abandoned yet due to their defensive role. Now, again, I'm not saying I believe any of this. They could be lying about it all. But just consider what they're stating and have maintained this statement as while the U.S. government just literally openly says we're going to use them anyway. Since 2010, it has conceded on several occasions that cluster munitions cause serious humanitarian harm. That Russia said, yes, we understand that, but also argued that the humanitarian risks associated with their use can be overcome through technical improvements and appropriate use. Now, if this was the U.S. government saying this, or any, I mean, I'd say the point is Russia or the U.S. government, whoever's saying this, you should consider that that just seems like a narrative to say, well, 
It's only if you use them the right way, sort of like the way they pretend white phosphorus can be used the right way, and they just use it the wrong way anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the point is they're saying used appropriately. Now, historically speaking, you can look at the context in which they use them and argue that they haven't been. I mean, let's put it this way. Show me a verifiable evidence situation of where they're not just using them, but using them and it's and they're caught using them in the way that they're accusing them of using them right now. Again, I have no doubt that they would use them if they felt it was strategically advantageous, but would they use them the way that we're seeing Ukraine use them now? That's a question you should ask yourself, especially when their stated policy says only in defense and only in appropriate times, which I'll read next, whereas the U.S. just doesn't even have that at all. It says we're just going to use them anyway. And Ukraine has been caught using them on civilians. In an explanation of its vote, Russia was clear in its rejection of the Convention on Cluster Munitions which is the one they haven't signed, so with the U.S. and same with Ukraine. Quote, the Oslo Convention is a very poor example of how to reach agreement on arms control. The ex- he expressed, quote, concern about the humanitarian impact of the arbitrary use of cluster munitions, saying, you know, so they agree with the concern, at least, but maintained that it does not agree with the approach taken by the Convention on Cluster Munitions. So essentially stating, at the very least, that they see the problem, but they don't agree with how they're going about it. Russia went so far as to say that the Oslo Convention merely declares a ban on cluster munitions, but in actual fact is a cynical attempt to uh, to, to, uh, change the market for cluster munitions. That's an interesting point. You you know why? Because whether or not this is an illusion Russia's floating because they want to use them secretly or not, I agree with the sentiment. Because what's actually happening? Israel still using them? Russia still, or excuse me, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine, yes. United States still uses them? Now you could argue Russia still uses them too. And I think that they do. My point is, what we're saying here is that what he's saying, or what the government's saying, is that, that ultimately they stated this convention, makes everyone sign it, and then just lie about it. Claim that they're not doing it, and they use them anyway. So it's a, it's a hollow convention. And you and I would agree with that. So too are the chemical weapons conventions that they lie about, or the biological they they don't, or there is no, there's only the chemical one they lie about and break all the time. So why would they sign this? Only so these governments could then hold it against them, right? You know how this works. That's not to suggest that only Russia would be the one that's the innocent one. That's not what I'm saying. But we can see how these things are abused in a current, a you know what was once a, 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 which is becoming a multipolar society world, however you want to frame it, where there's more than one power. Historically, though, that wasn't really the case. So they can drive in what they want. From a media perspective, that still is kind of the way it is. It is changing. But it says, what is happening now regarding the Oslo Convention is a result of extremely unconstructive actions by a group of states resolved to undermine it. And you know that's what's happening in regard to what Israel's government has done and what you've seen them act out. And when they create these conventions or these agreements and then just don't follow them, but only make sure that other people do, like UN treaties and, and UN I mean, resolutions where they just violate them everywhere. When Golan Heights or occupations all over the place in Syria, it doesn't even matter. But then when anybody else does, well, oh, how dare you let that fly? We all know this is the reality. Russia is party to the Convention on Conventional Weapons and, after opposing CCW discussions on cluster munitions for years, changed its position in 2011 to, in fact, support an effort led by the United States to conclude that the new CCW protocol on cluster munitions, so for a moment, was on board. That initiative failed in 2011 
effectively ending the deliberations on cluster munitions. Since then, Russia has not proposed any further work on the cluster munitions discussion. The Convention on Cluster Munitions remains the sole international instrument specifically dedicated to ending the suffering caused by cluster munitions. Now, again, we're at the same point. Or at the very least, Russia has a stated point of where they only use them in defense. So like essentially, so arguing that not over civilian territories, but in a situation where you're trying to defend yourself, lay out a bunch of cluster munitions or attack in an indiscriminate way of people trying to advance on your front line. I mean, you could see how that would make sense. Now, I would argue that that is probably just a hollow thing to say, so you could use them when you want to. But the point is that it's quite a bit different than the U.S. government stating that we're going to use them or the Ukrainian government continuing to and staying caught doing it and using them all the way through, especially against civilians. It just seems like it's quite a bit different. At the very least, going standing back in the larger, you know, 10,000 elevation view, it's very one-sided, the way that the media covers what's happening. So next, when something else gets carried out and it's cluster munitions and there's no evidence around it, what are they going to say? Russia. Could be. Very clearly could be. But we don't know that. And we have very clear evidence that Ukraine has been and will use them. So why would they assume? Because they're only following narrative. And we already know that. Now, jumping over to the Avastol conversation to show you who these people really are, the people that would very clearly use these weapons on civilians indiscriminately and because they would just aim at them because they want to blame Russia or however else you want to frame this. They're dangerous people, as even the corporate media called out before this started, and now they're pretending it's not true. <clears throat> this is an interesting video. I'm not from I wasn't familiar with this guy's channel, I Earl Gray, but he seems very intelligent. <clears throat> and he's covering a couple different things in this video. This was actually where we got this from. This clip here. This is from his video. I want to give him a shout out there. That's where I got that information. But he goes into the Avastol plant as well showing you evidence of the Azov Battalion themselves claiming that they have civilians in the plant. Even as the Western press calls it fake news, very interesting, very telling. But you can watch this video for yourself. I wanted to get into the information that he's sharing. Now, here is the clip, which is in, it's in Ukrainian, but he, this is, and this, I have confirmed this with other people. He's saying, he is on the record saying there are children here, sort of under the argument that, well, don't attack us because there's children inside. Well, why not let them leave? And his point in the video is there's been plenty of opportunities, even admitted by Ukraine, to have people leave these areas. So why are they still there? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Something stuck in my throat. <clears> throat> this is a, a, a hostage, a human shield situation, in my opinion, as they've already been caught for doing, as plenty of people in Mariupol have admitted they were doing. You can hear him say Azov. So check this for yourself with people that, you know, confirm it for yourself, as always. Always do your own due diligence. But the point is, that's what's happening. And here's another one. Here's an individual. This is another account claiming more than 120 civilians are left there. Taking advantage of the short lull, the civilians of Mariupol who became hostages of neo-Nazi militants were finally able to get out of the basements of houses and stand directly at the main Avastol checkpoint. But now many of them are being stuck there. Now, whether or not this is something that, I mean, you, you, we should question this like anything else. I'm, and I, I mean, that at the end of the day, it's not questionable that they're saying that, right? These, the, people, the members of the Aza Battalion are stating this, but maybe they're lying about it. Maybe they're lying about it to stop them from attacking, which, would in, which by the way, would, incent, would indicate that they know Russia wouldn't bomb the children, which counters other narratives, right? But the point is they're failing. 
Now, I'm going to get into an article probably tomorrow's show that came from Moon of Alabama, which goes through a lot of the data, which pretty clearly exposes that Russia's not losing anything, that Russia has been doing everything that they've been planning to do the entire time. This is what he's laying out. You question it like anything else. But there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this was exactly what they always planned to do, which is, by the way, what they said in the beginning. Now, I don't know. I'm on the fence, as always, about whether they have used that as a narrative or not. But as I said in the beginning, if it ends up the way they said it, maybe you should ask whether that was always the point. And they never really were going for Kiev and so on and so on. But it seems pretty clear that the evidence suggests that Russia has been just annihilating the situation and that they're just trying to use the propaganda argument that Russia's failing, Russia's failing as some kind of like momentum will shift something. Seems like they're pretty clearly doing what they meant to do based on all the data on the ground. So now the question is, what's going to happen to the civilians if this happens? Well, here's the situation I could argue, based on what we've seen in Bucha and elsewhere, that they hurt these people. And right as they flee, burn them down in the building or hurt someone or kill these people and then say Russia did it as they pointed out, as Russia takes control of the area. God forbid. The last thing we should ever want is for civilians like this to be used as tools, let alone be murdered for an agenda. But that's what we've seen happen in Bucha, Bucha and other and other locations. So the concern is that's what might happen. And maybe that's why Russia's playing this very carefully. Another example of endless examples coming from Patrick Lancaster and plenty of others. As you can see, it says, I have seen it with my own eyes. As an 18-year-old boy was walking with his girlfriend, he showed a Russian passport and they shot him right away. Can you imagine that? Watch it for yourself. I mean, you could... Question these things because one of them could be lied about. That person could be lying. Who knows? But it's never ending, guys. Every, every day, Patrick has multiple videos pointing out plenty of other civilians saying these different things, and it's plenty more than just Patrick. I just find him to be the most, to be the most credible, but there's a lot of examples. Now, here's an individual we've already pointed out to you. One of the earlier discussions we had, this person's name is Mamula, uh, uh, what was it again? Mamula Shivili. Mamula Shivili. I was calling him Mamuka before because his first name. This is the commander of the Georgia Legion. Remember this conversation? The person that was openly shouting out Craig Lang, who was a big, you know, the, the, the big bad guy back then of the person that was working with these dangerous people over here, except it's kind of this weird situation now because they're not calling them dangerous people right now, but yet he's still a criminal for working with them. Yeah, factor that one in, right? That's not a joke. Craig Lang is supposed to be this big guy. The reason Craig Lang is trying to be arrested by the U.S. government, they pretend, is because he went over to Ukraine and apparently committed war crimes because he was working with extreme, dangerous, you know, fascist extremists. That's their narrative. And now he's in Ukraine, apparently is on house arrest, they claim, and nobody's ever done anything since. And Mamuka was one of the people that is still apparently on his Facebook page, there's a big picture of him, shouting him out. So now this guy, as the title reads, U.S. lawmakers welcomed notorious Georgia warlord now boasting of war crimes in, in Ukraine. And don't forget the Georgia Legion, is, a, is that name is taken directly from an SS group in the Nazi, during Nazi World War II. It's amazing they can pretend like this doesn't make sense. But it says, that take the, uh, having taken up arms against Russia for the fifth time, Georgian Legion commander Mamuka Mamula Shivili was, has bragged on video about his unit carrying out field executions of captured Russian soldiers in Ukraine. Having fought for four wars against Russia, and despite allegations that he played leading roles in the massacre of 49 protesters in Kiev's Maidan Square in 2014, 
He has taken multiple trips to the United States where he received a warm welcome from members of Congress, the New York Police Department and Ukrainian diaspora community. Now, the point is, this is just like with, with McCain and Graham and all the rest of them, taking pictures next to ISIS members, taking pictures next to Ukraine extremists, because that's what they do. They seek these people out and they use them. In an interview this April, he was asked about a video showing Russian fighters who had been extrajudicially executed in a town just five miles from Bucha. He says, quote, we will not take Russian soldiers as well as the Chechen fighters. In any case, we will not take prisoners. Not a single person will be captured. So he's openly admitting to war crimes because that's a crime. You Executing POWs is, a, is an extreme war crime. But that doesn't matter as long as you're on the right side of the narrative, right? They can, if they accused Russia right now of shooting Ukrainian POWs, the Western press would lose their minds just for the allegation. Here he is bragging about doing it. Nobody cares. Here's the tweet right here. Yes, we tie their hands and feet sometimes. I speak for the Georgia Legion. We will never take Russian soldiers prisoner. Not a single one of them will take him prisoner. Don't forget all the times we've now seen those white ties on people's arms, like in Bucha. Well, they keep showing up, except at the hands of the Ukrainian government. But nobody wants to make that connection in the corporate media because they're children, right? It's obvious that they're doing that because these are Russian supporters. Now, you remember we've talked about him in the past. Here is an example of, I think this is the one down here. Yeah, we'll come back to it. So going forward, it says, yes, we tie their hands and feet sometimes. He's saying, I speak for the Georgia Legion. Executions of any enemy combatants are considered war crimes under the Geneva Convention. While the events in Bucha have become a source of outrage and heated contention, a clear case of war crimes by Ukrainian forces, which took place just five miles down the road on March 30th, as Russian troops withdrew, has received a more muted response, despite coverage by the New York Times. Think about that. That is selective coverage, as one is up in the air, and it really is. I'm going to include this for those that want to know more about it. My, my very real, honest opinion here, guys, this takes forever to load, is 100% that this was a false flag. That's my opinion, though. I feel like the, the evidence makes it pretty clear, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's proven. At the very least, it makes it clear that they're covering up what happened, which then indicates there's something they don't want you to see. But the evidence is obvious. The Maxar technology satellite it wasn't even in place. The point is Maxar technology itself is basically a CIA cutout. A member of the CIA is on their board. It's obvious there's more. And the CIA, the point is, has been involved in this from the very beginning, since 1948, building fascism in Ukraine. It's on their own documentation. This is an agenda they've been using for a long time. The point is, why only care about one and ignore what they openly say they've done? The macabre footage shows Russian paratroopers dead or bleeding out in the road, some with their hands clearly bound, reportedly the handwork of the Georgia Legion, as they've admitted to. It's right here. I don't even want to play it because it's gruesome. But you can see their hands bound in the white, the white, the white little, you know, tie that we've seen that's supposed to indicate Russia and. Weirdly enough, all the people in Bucha, many of them had their hands bound with that behind. It says, quote, look, he is still alive. One of the fighters says as a Russian wreaths in a pool of blood. He was then shot three times at close range. That's on video, guys. There's no denying this. If you ever want an example of how obvious it was that they are closing their eyes to what they're doing there, pretending like anything Ukrainian is absolutely beyond reproach, here it is. 
I mean, look, it doesn't have to mean that by pointing this out that Russia is not capable of it. If you have to, you know, this childish binary look at everything. But at the end of the day, you cannot ignore this stuff. It's real. And there are really dangerous people doing really bad things in Ukraine right now that people in the West are ignoring. Even though those same entities were calling them out right before. I just can't say that enough. Down here it says, President Zelensky has described the killing of uh, on the Maidan Square as, quote, the most complicated case in our history. Noting that the crime scene was tampered with and documents have mysteriously disappeared. International bodies also remain befuddled, while the NATO-funded Atlantic Council think tank has described the matter as unsolved. One of those perpetually forever unsolved things like JFK or 9-11 is never know, despite all the evidence that shows the opposite. The United Nations has noted justice remains elusive. <laughs> Certainly it remains elusive, right? Because we just have zero evidence, right? There's just zero evidence of any kind of indication that they were involved, right? On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that's, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. No evidence at all, though, right? We're bef- it's poor befuddled. That's called willful ignorance. Sort of how they just ignore all the mask evidence we'll get to in a minute, or everything else we've talked about. They just pretend it's not there. Now, here is a picture of Mum- uh, uh, Mamula Shavili next to Representative Caroline Maloney in 2018. Yeah, just happily standing in the middle, of, you know, in a congressional office. Despite being an open war, just an open neo-Nazi war criminal, multiple trips to the United States have offered him the opportunity to attend events at the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, give talks at St. George Academy, a Ukrainian Catholic school on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and hold forth in in in, in an interview with the Washington Office of the U.S. Government's Voice of America in 2015, and hold forth. Interesting. Ha- he has even posed for photo ops with officers of the New York City Police Department. I mean, it's just incredible, guys. It's absolutely incredible. In between these trips, he constructed three training bases and recruited hundreds of fighters. Some photos he posted to Facebook show the warlord's subordinates training children for the battle against Russia. The practice of cultivating children for warfare is shared by Ukraine's most notorious Azov Battalion, which is just the Ukrainian government, guys. I mean, I'm tired of people trying to equivocate between, like, the Azov Battalion, Georgia Legion's Foboda, these groups, or rather Azov Battalion, Georgia Legion, and the right sector as the battalions, and then Svoboda, Northern, uh, uh, the National Corps. These are the political parties. of the. This is everywhere. This is completely immersed. 
the police forces, the government, the individuals, as Scott Ritter pointed out, they made sure that they put people in every major position. Here they are literally training children. How in the world do we not see this for what it is? I mean, we must be the most, the people that buy this must be the most propagandized people on the planet. As it says, Craig Lang, who was wanted in the United States on suspicion of murdering a married couple in Florida, actually, it's more specifically about that and what he supposedly did in Ukraine. Right? There's more to that. Right? But the point is that Craig Lang is the person who's directly tied to Mamuka, who said he was a great guy and a great fighter and so on and so on. These people are taking prominent roles in what's happening, and it's as if the history is not there, just like we talked about with COVID. Now, here is... Uh, Henry Hoft, by the way, who I'll just include this for you guys to listen to, telling you again what we keep talking about, that they were shooting people in the back, that they tried to leave. They wouldn't let them. He had to sneak away. This is a person, an American who went there and told you the truth. Take it for what you will. Yes, people claim he's lying, but there's just an endless procession of information. They're saying the same thing. Now, keeping this in mind. What's interesting to me, here's the who's RT pointing out today. U.S. detains over 5000 migrants from migrants from Ukraine. Some 5,071 Ukrainians were detained in the U.S. borders just in March alone, which I find interesting. Why, why are so many coming from Mexico? Like, that just seems very strange to me. That border is abused, not, not by manipulative situations all the time. Many of the detained Ukrainians were ultimately released into U.S. territory. Now, I'm not concerned about just average Ukrainian people, because just like any other situation I pointed out, it's being caused by your government. Sort of like with the people flooding in from South America. That was your government's fault, not Venezuela's fault. But the point is, they're letting them in. So aren't we concerned? Like, what's interesting is the other side of this narrative, inside the two-party false paradigm, would scream about how one thing's happening or these people, or in the case of Mexico, and specifically, the right side would say they're letting in a bunch of you know males that are going to be terrorists or whatever. That's, that's an, an always constant narrative. But here we are in a situation where that's not even being considered. As they reported that there's open neo-Nazis that exist in this country specifically tied to the government, and we're telling you that they're building a narrative by which these people will be blamed on you. And there'll be domestic terrorism threats and things happening in this country. And we're watching these people get funneled into the United States. Isn't it possible that some of these CIA operative type people would be included in that? Yeah, certainly is. I don't know that for sure, but it's certainly possible. On Monday, the U.S. administration extended temporary protected status for Ukrainians for another 18 months. Earlier, earlier, U.S. President Joe Biden pledged to take in 100,000 Ukrainian refugees fleeing the fighting. Now, please do not bash, do not demonize any Ukrainian just because of what your government's created there. And even though that there are definitely people that espouse these now ide- these ideologies in Ukraine because they've been manipulated, sort of like Jewish people manipulated by the Zionist agenda in Israel. And even if it was mo- most, it's still, I argue, a manipulation. Because as Abby Martin's pointed out, they do have very extremist views in a lot of a lot of people, Israeli citizens in that country. But there's a lot of Orthodox Jews that think absolutely opposite and would argue that their religion was stolen. Same point here, right? There's a lot of open neo-Nazi entities not necessarily associated with these because they've been influenced over the process of eight years by an open neo-Nazi government. But that does not mean every Ukrainian is like that. We can't be binary like this, guys. We can't broad brush because that is racism as much as they do that back. The government's manipulation, like the idea that, you know, all white people are racist is a racist statement. The point here is that this is alarming to me because of what I know is coming. Here's my discussion about this, how the CIA built the new Al-Qaeda in Ukraine, the white supremacy trap. 
Here is Whitney's article about it, which we were discussing in that in that show, Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. And finally, here is the longer point about not just the Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been built cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. Building this at that time against the Soviet Union, now against Russia. Please realize what's coming your way as they're still pushing it in, even as it's exposed in real time. Now, shifting over to COVID-19 and the mask conversation. We just talked about this yesterday. Federal judge voids mask mandate on planes, public transit. <clears throat> now, even the CDC has stepped up and acknowledged this. And, and or essentially where we are right now is that this has been pulled back. Which is pretty interesting, especially since they were bleeding about how this is absolutely necessary. And then it just kind of goes away. Like, even though a ju- even the judge ruling this, wouldn't they stand up and go, no, terrible. It's going to everyone's going to die or whatever their narrative is. Just to just kind of meekly fall back, it kind of shows you that I think they always have known this was a means to an end, an agenda. Maybe it will swing back in once they bring in the new variants. Fauci keep telling you are coming for absolute certainty. In any case, this is a good thing. The federal judge has voided this, and it's international. Or excuse me, it's national, I mean. It's the entire country. But what we're seeing is people losing their minds. Now, shouldn't this be the kind of trust the science or trust the, you know, the, the narrative would be that we're supposed to follow these kind of things, right? Well, the, that's the system. It's working. That's what the argument would be, right? The judge and checks and balances and the judge rules and that's where we are now. So you follow it only when they want that to be the case, right? If the judge ruled we had to, they would stand by it. They would say, you can't ignore what the judge ruled. But when the judge rules the other way, they go, no, we can't. It's incredible. That's a drama. Trump put that judge there. So we don't have to listen to him. You know, it's just, it's childish and it's subjective as always. Standing with the rulings you like and ignoring the ones you don't, just like Israel and the foreign policy. So yeah, where they get that from? But people are losing their minds. Before I even read this, the point is this, guys. If this, if they're now, even the CDC is now acknowledging this rollback, isn't that supposed to be trusting the science, even though it's never what it's ever been? So the point is, just like in the beginning, when they actually rolled this back for a minute, and all those people kept wearing them anyway. It showed you that it was a psychosis, guys. If they're if the people that they're supposed to be listening to, they, they yell that we're supposed to listen to, are saying the science says you can remove it now, and they do it anyway, it was never about any illusion of science or even actual science. It was about fear. And so it's the same thing now. You got all these people that are going, no, we can't do that because we're all going to die. They're just, they have, there's no, they're supposed to be following these people, right? That's what they're telling us. But now when they say the other way, they just jump right back in. Now here's just a thought points out. If you want to wear a mask on a plane, then wear a mask on a plane. If you want to get boosted, then get boosted. If you want to stay home, then stay home. If you want to stay six feet from people, then stay six feet from people. You have a right to. And we have a right not to. Anybody who understands the idea of freedom or self-responsibility or the, the things we pretend this country represents would absolutely stand by that no matter what your political stance is. No one's telling you you can't take precautions. The idea, this weird warped reality we find ourselves in where suddenly your actions are accountable to everybody else in the world because it could lead to them having a bad day or feeling a little bit or getting sick and dying. The idea that you have to change your daily activities because of what it, just the argument that it may influence somebody else's life is outrageous because you know how that can get bent and contorted. The idea is if you're, if the argument people have made in the past, right? It, reaching my arm out in front of, like the idea is that you, I don't want to make it too abstract. The idea is that if your actions are directly affecting somebody, right? Like the idea, let's say, I'm trying to think of a best example here, where you swinging your arms out which you have a right to do, 
if you end up hitting somebody in the face, well, you're accountable for that, even though you have a right to put your arms out in front of your body. The point is there is a, a point at which these things matter. But the idea, this abstract concept where you're saying that, well, I have to wear a mask everywhere because you believe that you are more safe that way, even though the science doesn't support that. And even though even the now the so-called authorities are saying you don't have to anyway, and you're still arguing I'm a bad person for not doing it. Like, that's insane. It shows you that it's not it's based on fear. Yet again, this person follows up by saying you have a responsibility to community. That's this is the this is the warped reality we now they've created. I'm not saying you don't have some some level of responsibility to a community, but that's a choice. It always has been. Just because you live in an area where other people live does not then mean you have to be responsible for what they say you do. Again, though, your actions that then immediately bleed into somebody else's immediate life, you could make an argument for that. But that's not what this is. It's just not. Shared common goals. It says we will only survive pandemics by protecting one another. Well, history kind of says otherwise, though, but good try, Fred. It says masks are one of the protective steps we can take. Well, he fundamentally doesn't understand that they do not have a statistically significant effect in transmission. Fact. It's immoral not to help. It's immoral. You see how that shifted now? Now you're a bad person for not doing what they have decided you should, even though the people that you once listened to now say you don't have to. So Fred is now deciding what is immoral and what's not because of his fear. Because of his warped reality of perception of what reality is. Now, just a thought says there is no responsibility to community. We live on a planet where wealth and resources are hoarded. And those of us without access to either are stuck fighting one another for survival. What common goals do you speak of? Now, as this person says, so because there are other people are evil, that's your justification to act accordingly. Nice principles. I had to do everything in my power not to respond. That's not even remotely what she said, you infant. But I didn't because I trying to stop from doing those things on Twitter. The point is, that's not what she's saying. She's not saying they're bad, therefore I'm going to be bad. That's how this person's binary thinking has forced it into. Her point is, there are definitely bad people that are pretending to be good and leaving us to our own devices. So why would we take action under a guise that are, there's any sort of semblance of a community that they're not following anyway? Not, she's not even remotely saying that she doesn't care about her community or that she wouldn't take action that would be beneficial to her community. What she's trying to frame it as is the people like Fred and Zatra here have no idea what's really going on around them. They're being attacked and abused and manipulated by the people they think are the community, not the people in their actual community, but by the governments, by the institutions. They're the ones telling Fred to do that, not their neighbors. And maybe their neighbors are also manipulated by this, but there's plenty of average people, the majority, in fact, that don't want to do this. So the real community is not on his side, but they're being brainwashed by people that are trying to pretend that it is. Just realize that just a thought is simply arguing that those people don't believe what they say they do. And that we're on a planet where they're stealing from you and pretending that you have to do that. It's, it's very obvious. The bottom line is this has nothing to do with safety. It never has and never will. In fact, it's counter to your safety. And I'll show you the science yet again. But what's funny to me is this person, as if it's some kind of an attack, says, this person's not a leftist. Either in so implying that she was trying to pretend that she was, or that by simply saying that it means you're not a good person. This is somebody lost in the two-party paradigm. And that's the lowest, lowest level of intelligence, in my opinion. I, that's, I don't even hate to say that. I mean it. <laughs> that's the reality. If you believe these things, then you're either choosing to for advantageous reasons or you're very, very, you cannot grasp the real, under the, the idea that these things are basic binary manipulations. So she's not a leftist because she says that you should have a choice. 
Andrew says, and neither are you. Forcing people to do things against their will by government force is the literal definition of fascism, but they don't want to hear that because you're only bad if you don't do what we say. Now, here's a funny part of it to kind of add a little bit of humor into it, which really does show you the one-sided agenda of the people in so-called journalism. This person said, just before we even get into it, here's what he says first. I boarded a plane today with my son and mid-flight, the pilot announces the mask mandate is over. Which, by the way, to some degree is something that did happen. There were some planes that there were people with footage and saying, yay, and everyone cheers because that seems to be what everyone wanted. But it says flight attendants pulled off their masks and sneered directly into our, our sneezed directly into their hands while screaming, this is a MAGA airspace. My son turned to me in tears. I don't know what to do. Falls up by saying, wow, this blew up. It, it says cash app is in the bio for my son's legal defense fund. Are we, uh, we are suing for intentional infliction of emotional distress. 93 likes. Here's what's funny. There's more to this. They just got a message by a New York Times journalist about the previous tweet. Here's what they said. Hi, Jared. I'm a New York Times journalist. I'd love to speak to you over the phone about what happened on your flight this evening. Because I'm sure, because you can verify everything over the phone, right? Can you please give me a call or let me know what I can, where I can reach you? Hope this isn't coming too late to your day. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing from you. Victoria Kim, bonafide mainstream journalist, right? Hello, Victoria. He says, I'd love to discuss your, the incident at your earliest convenience. I was pretty upset about the whole thing. Unfortunately, it's satire that only someone at the New York Times would believe. In my time of contemplation, I was wondering how your team deals with the multitude of false stories that you peddle out daily to use as political propaganda, and if you could give me advice on how to take my satire to the next level. Best wishes. Home run. Well done, sir. Well done. And they fell for it hook, line, and sinker. You realize this happens every day, and that people have already been exposed for just towing? The point is, if he would have talked to them on the phone, basically doing nothing more than proving that he had a plane ticket. Victoria Kim would have ran the story as we've already seen them do. And say, they've already been caught running stories that turned out to be utter nonsense or things like politicians getting tricked by comedians on the phone and getting caught because these people are ridiculous. They go with what they want to believe, not the facts. And that's what we keep seeing. Here it is. The point is that this is a, this is satire, and it's obvious satire. But the point is, it's almost hard to tell today because of how broken some of these people are within the two party paradigm. And I mean that on both sides, but in this case, it's more of a left point. But here's where we really are. Interestingly enough, an HIV primary care physician, but a doctor with thirteen thousand likes. Anyone else wonder how quickly a new pandemic will wipe out the human race? Really? That's the starting statement? Like that's the foregone conclusion? That's just basic fear-mongering, guys. That's what they do, though. That's what they've been driven to. Because we have truly shown our species to be deeply self-destructive. Well, I'll be very clearly agree with that, just not in the way she's pointing at. In fact, I would point at exactly what she's doing as exactly that point, projecting or pre basically promoting and driving in the direction, I promise you, of these dangerous mRNA gene therapy manipulating things that are going to destroy the human species. But no, but not that, though. She says simply, we won't wear masks to, to stem a deadly virus. What happens when the next contagion comes along? It's all over the place. Well, first of all, realize that the masks are not statistically significant in transmission. And they, that's been admitted a thousand ways over. The science shows you that, and they keep lying about it. 
If you'd like to know more about the deep discussion, here's one of the shows that I've done on that. Right back on March 1st, 2021, masks are making you sick, and it seems that's simply part of the plan. Well, on every article I post, including the show from today, underneath it you'll find important mask coverage. And these are just the four that I'm including that have the links to all the studies and within them. But you'll find plenty of them from the very beginning, the great mask deception to do masks cause bacterial pneumonia. Yes, they do. Not always, but they definitely can and do on a large scale. Mask science clear, doubting science behind the wearing mask. Watch this video. Watch them for yourself, guys. It's undeniable. Now, for just a couple of the points that I'll rattle off, and it really is that simple, to show you how ridiculous this person is, either because she is a doctor that doesn't know what they're talking about or because she has an agenda. I don't know. Make sure you say she, her, because that's what she's requesting. Now, here is the point. 2015 British Medical Journal. The only random controlled trial of cloth masks. And don't forget, for the first year and a half, they pushed cloth masks. In fact, told you that was the only thing you should wear. And then, of course, turned to the saying, well, they don't work at all, so make sure you wear N95s. And then we pretend like we can trust them now, even though they admitted they were wrong for a year and a half or knowingly lying to you because that's the facts. It's there. Those are the facts. They're here. You can see them from 2015. Here's what it says. This is the stu- this is the this study is the first random control trial and the only one I found of cloth masks. The results caution against their use. So in 2015, on the National Library of Medicine (NIH), they find unequivocally in a random controlled trial the highest level of evidence that these cloth masks shouldn't be used. And why is that? It's an important finding. They say why? Because moisture retention. Reuse of the cloth masks and poor filtration may result in an increased risk of infection. So they knew that. They knew that they would use these masks for a long period of time. They knew they would reuse them. They knew that they would collect moisture during the winter and really any time breathing into them. Knew that they found that in the highest level of evidence, they would lead to infection. What they do, they force them on you. In fact, they said these are the only ones you should use. How do you meet? How do you misunderstand that? Let's do not pretend for a second that the people at the highest level did not know about this. Now, I would argue that the morons at Western Press have no clue about this study unless somebody points it, jams it under their nose, and even then they ignore it if it doesn't say what they like. But the average, like the Fauci level people, they know about this. So you have to realize they made a choice to make you use something that they knew was dangerous. Further research is needed to inform the widespread use, and nothing happened. However, as a precautionary measure, cloth masks should not be recommended. And yet they did it anyway. Oh, and don't forget that in May 2020, as we pointed out right in the beginning, one of the first things we talked about around this topic, even the CDC in their own meta-analysis of other random controlled trials, which is even better, right? So you've got a bunch of random controlled trials and they look at all of them simultaneously and do a meta-analysis of all of those in the middle of this, guys. This is during which this was happening already. Of course, the point was that they have looked stupid for saying now is that the average Twitterverse was saying, it's about influenza, you stupid conspiracy theorist, even though we've now seen that they're now calling COVID-like illness or things like that in their studies they do now. Why? Because that's always what they do. Influenza-like illness is applied to any respiratory virus. That's why they say ILI or influenza-like illness. So when they say COVID-like illness, does that not apply to COVID? Well, obviously it does because it's about COVID-like illnesses, which is in respiratory illness, which includes influenza. You see, these people were let to say, or the like. Basically, the point is, you got the average people that don't know what they're talking about that would shout you down for things like that, and the general consensus of the people that do know just are quiet about it because they want you to be shouted down. But the reality is, they knew that they knew that these things apply broadly, and that's why they do meta analysis and they don't do individual gigantic studies for each one thing because they would never get anything done. 
So the point is this absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt applies to any respiratory virus, especially now that we know COVID-19 spreads in very similar ways. And in this case, it's exactly the same context, especially around the masks. Now, here's what it says. In our systematic review, they happened right before they suddenly pretended like this wasn't real. They found 10 random controlled trials, the highest level of evidence. In pooled analysis, the CDC found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. The overall reduction in influenza-like illness or confirmed influenza was not significant in any of the studies. None of the household studies, which by the way, they were household, they were observational, they were real world, they were all sorts of stuff. They did. This is the best thing you can look at. And all they do was point at what Fauci said and act like that trumps what this is. But expert statement is the lowest level of evidence. That's not my opinion. That's the statement. That's that's the grade of these things that anybody would point to. Random controlled trial is the top, top. Here's 10 of them combined. But yet we're pointing what Fauci says. We're pointing at a very quick observational study the CDC pumps out after this. Why? During a supposed pandemic, right? None of the household studies reported a significant reduction in secondary laboratory confirmed influenza virus infections in the face mask group. The main point, there is limited evidence for the effectiveness in preventing influenza transmission, either when worn by infected persons for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic, excuse me, systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. I mean, you just can't get much more clear than that. Their only sidestep was, that's not COVID. But that's just not, that's a hollow argument. And any expert knows that. Here's a better one. Are face masks effective? The evidence, updated March 2022. Swiss policy research continuing to to give you everything you need. As it's clearly pointed out, so far, as of March 2022, most studies, most of them, most and pretty much all of the random controlled trials found studies, found uh, found little to no evidence for the effectiveness of face masks in the general population, neither as personal protection equipment nor as source control, which they've floated back and forth between, right? No, it's protecting your grandma. No, now it's about you. Or now we're in N95s. But wait a minute, N95s only filter one way. So now it's not about my grandma, right? It's just so stupid. It's all, it's whatever they say in the moment. But don't miss the one we pointed at, that's the one we just looked at. This is all, this is the evidence they're pointing at. Studies from the CDC, studies from the WHO, studies from a Danish random controlled trial, from the European CDC, from the Oxford Center for Evidence-Based Medicine, from the Cochrane Review, which is one of the most prestigious, Harvard Medical School, BMJ. Right? Think about how ridiculous it is that all these studies find not statistically significant from the highest level, but not fake news. Doesn't count. We don't believe it. In September 2019, shortly before the coronavirus pandemic, the WHO published a comprehensive report on, quote, non-pharmaceutical public health measures for mitigating the risk and impact of epidemic and pandemic influenza. Spoiler alert, none of the trials found a statistically significant benefit of face masks. Isn't it weird how they found every single one of those before COVID and then suddenly on COVID they said, oh, now it all works for sure. And if you say otherwise, you're crazy and it's just common sense. That's absolute obvious social engineering. That's what we're staring at. It's just incredibly obvious. These are all CDC-focused studies, guys. This is a, or excuse me, WHO-focused studies. It goes on with a lot more information, but it's just that simple. Oh, there's there's a bunch of good stuff down here as well, by the way. 
Uh, recent studies argue that face masks are indeed effective against the new coronavirus and can at least prevent the infection. However, most of these studies suffer from poor methodology, sometimes of the opposite of what they claim to show, which is what we keep telling you. Typically, the studies ignore the effect of other measures, natural development infection and so on. And you can see all these other ones down here. This, this clip was showing you how just uh, Dr. Theodore Noel explains the face mask aerosol issue. Oh, and don't forget, not, I mean, I, I don't always like to give myself a shout out, but remember one of the main things that I stuck on throughout this, that from the earliest point where the evidence was clear, what did I keep telling you? It's not droplets. It is aerosolized particulates. Isn't it amazing how I just ended up being right with that? I must have just, like Adam Sky Adams, I must have got lucky, right? Just guessed and got lucky. No, the peer-reviewed science backed it up. And they just kept pushing in the droplet conversation because that's why they pretended masks would work. But then now, as you can see across the board, as any expert will tell you, it's obviously aerosolized particulates. And we know that now. It only took two and a half years for them to just quietly admit that and censor me every time I said it. Isn't that funny? It's not funny at all. It's pretty frustrating, right? But that's the reality. Finally, as we've shown you directly from even the N95 conversation, this is from Honeywell, the, one of the makers of N95 masks. As it says right here. What is an N95? Well, it removes, that's why they call them that, 95% of 0.3 and above micron particles. Well, here is a broad graph, but it's good, that shows you the relative size of particles. Now, by the way, this is broad. I said that for a reason, because you could look at, look into it for yourself. Most every discussion I see around coronavirus specifically puts it at 0.1 to 0.3 at the most. But here's the point is they're saying 0.1 to 0.5. So by the admission of the creators of the highest level, it's not even designed to stop coronavirus. What's even more interesting to me is that this other discussion, as we pointed out, here's wildfire smoke, which is 0.4 to 0.7, clearly above the 0.3, which means the mask won't stop it. But remember what happened when the wildfire smoke was circulating in California? Well, they said, don't use the masks because they won't work. I just think this is, or excuse me, in reverse. The point is that this is ridiculous. That they keep using it when they want to, and all the evidence points to the obvious reality. It's posted right there. We know that this, in most cases, is below 0.1, which means this doesn't stop it, let alone cloth mask, which actually increases your risk of infection. Now let's go over to the microplastics, which just adds to this conversation, which nobody wants to talk about. The reason I brought this up again is because of this new study, which, by the way, it's an interesting kind of mixed bag because in one part of it, they're admitting now that we have a very serious problem with microplastics just everywhere in the air and the water. I mean, we're screwed, guys, when it comes to this kind of stuff. And it's only because of the malfeasance of the governments around the world allowing this to be a problem, knowing these things are dangerous because plenty of studies point this out, right? They don't care. They don't care about any of it, let alone the plastics in the water and the air. But the point is the mass are... 100% adding to that. And now that it's becoming a very clear problem, they just go, oh, but it's in the air and stuff. So it's always been there. Oh, but so you knew that and didn't care before? Why didn't you say that before COVID started? It's because it's ridiculous. These people don't care about you. They only care about hiding their clear crimes they've committed by forcing you to do things that make you sick. Microplastics have officially been found in our bodies. Here's what that means for human health. This is the, by the way, this is in the first study. It's been found from before, but this is one of the big ones. And it says both studies found PET or polyethylene Terephthalate in their samples, the plastic material commonly used to make plastic bottles. Plastic never fully decomposes. Never fully decomposes. 
The material just eventually breaks down into small pieces called microplastics. Because microplastics are everywhere, human exposure is pretty much a given, right? Funny how that statement wasn't being said before this all started, right? Now that they want to make it seem ubiquitous, sort of like how heart attacks are just everywhere. Anybody can have a heart attack. You can shake your bed too hard. Oh, you got a heart attack, right? That's never happened until after they were doing something that caused a lot of heart attacks. I think this is sort of the same thing. Not to say that there aren't problems in regard to microplastics everywhere, but rather this is now being couched as ubiquitous so we don't worry about the thing they're doing. New studies found microplastics in the body. These two studies published in the Environment Environment International and Science of the Total Environment, respectively, oh, no, of the Total Environment, respectively, found microplastics in human blood and living lung tissue for the first time. The lung tissue study detected microplastics within all regions of the lungs. Interesting, the study was only done in 2022 and it wasn't found before that. What do we know so far? What we know so far is that high concentrations of microplastics in our lungs may cause inflammation. What do you know? In asthma-like symptoms and tissue damage. Microplastics in the gut have been found to cause changes in the human gut microbe, microbiome. It's interesting this is happening during all this. Microplastics just don't pose a potential threat to themselves or by themselves. They also absorb toxic organic substances. Well, that sounds great. They may affect human health and function as their carrier. They bind, they can bind to chemicals that are found in the environment or in your body, for that matter. Plastics often contain endocrine disrupting chemicals, EDCs, that affect the body's hormone systems and potentially lead to reproductive disorders, diabetes, and cancer. It's like everything they're doing everywhere seems to lead to those things, right? The bottom line is this is just being no ma- not in the ma- the word mask isn't even mentioned in this article. Here's why it should have been. I argue that they know there's at least a part of this that's being used or being added to that problem by the microplastic covered fiber fibrous mask that you cover your mouth with all day every day if you're stupid enough to do so. Breathing microplastic fibers. It says due to the immediate nature of the COVID-19 scenario, adequate studies have not been performed on the potential health hazards posed by elongated mask use. So first of all, recognize that they're willing to state, despite how your government and the Western press would scream you down by saying, we know for sure there's no dangerous effects, as even Fauci would tell you, as I'll play at the end today, even though he's wrong. Because we do know that there's dangerous effects, as that I just showed you the random controlled trial that very clearly stated an increased risk of infection. That's an obvious risk. But the point is that they're saying, we don't even have a study to know. So either they don't know or it's obvious. None of those answers are that they don't. (laughs) But yet that's what you'll hear from the people that want to lie to you. In particular, the inhalation of microplastic fibers from the mask material. Oh, that in particular, that's the point is that you get specifically microfibers from the mask material. Why isn't that being discussed? This study analyzes the amount, size, and composition of fibers collected from the use of both reusable and disposable face masks. So the cloth and the ones they keep telling you are now, like the medical ones. Our results showed that fiber particles from masks can be inhaled and masks marketed as a reusable cotton face mask, which by the way, again, the CDC forced on everybody for the first two years of this, released fibers consisting of cotton and polyester or polyethylene uh, Trephalo, oh, that the one we just talked about, plastic. It says, ca- it says, this is cause for concern as previous studies have shown that inhaled microplastics may be persistent in the lungs and cause numerous issues from prolonged inflammation to some studies linking the presence of microplastics to lungs and cancer to cancer. 
What's interesting is this study from the University of Wisconsin doesn't seem to even discuss the presence of them in generally everywhere all the time. This seems like an effort to cover up what we're creating. Not that I, again, I promise you, we have a problem with microplastics because of the plastic in the ocean, the plastic in the air, the everything, the, you know, the military, everything is happening that's polluting all the time. But I believe it's more than that. COVID-19 masks cause plastic fiber inhalation, but we should still use them. This is from, you know, the South China Morning Post. China study finds most masks shed microplastic fibers inhaled by the wearer and could be harmful, <laughs> but use them anyway. That's the argument. So just be clear. We know this. We know this. They are hurting you. They're, you're, you're inhaling things that are dangerous. They're increasing your risk of infection. These are facts, guys. It's proven by, by peer-reviewed science and real-world observation, but they're not going to tell you that. Exclusive chemical cocktail found in face masks. Top German scientists have found that wearing certain types of face masks for long periods of time could result in potentially hazardous chemicals. We're not even talking about the plastics anymore. And harmful microplastics, on top of that, being inhaled deep into human lungs. Professor uh, Michael uh, Bogart, director at the Hamburg Environmental Institute and co-founder of the world-renowned cradle-to-cradle environmental standard, has told Ixotextile News that face, wear, face mask wearers unwittingly run the risk of breathing in carcinogens, allergens, and tiny synthetic microfibers by wearing both textile and non-woven surgical masks for long periods of time, which is what all these people are doing, pretending like there's no danger because Fauci said, which he did. Well, here's other studies about why, in general, as they're hurting you, they're also hurting the planet. And all those people that are screaming about climate change are wearing 14 masks a day, or rather maybe one continuously forever, same difference, are hurting the planet. Release the micropla- of microplastics from discarded surgical masks, we're not even talking cloth masks, and their adverse impacts on the marine copod and you know the, the marine life. It says, on the basis of the results of our kinetic study and available relevant data, we estimate that, uh, what was it again? SM was surgical masks discarded throughout the year of 2020 alone, just 2020, would lead to over 1,370 trillion microplastics entering the coastal marine environment globally. 1,370 trillion with a release rate of 396 billion microplastic pollution per day. I mean, that's, that was in 2020 alone. We've already gone all the way through 2021 with way more use. Ask yourself why this conversation got immediately shut down. Our results also demonstrated that the, co- the copods ingested the, mem- the microplastic pollution re- released from the masks, causing a significant decline in their reproductivity is what that basically means. So not only do they hurt you and not only hurt the environment, they're hurting directly the, the life in the ocean. The results clearly suggest that the, the microplastic pollution released from improperly discarded masks, which, by the way, is what all of them are doing. They're not, they're not being disposed of in some kind of, you know, uh, what are the uh, biohazard boxes or whatever else, which if this is the biggest pandemic in a century would absolutely make sense. Nope, they're just being thrown in the trash, being swept away into some. It's ridiculous. It's obviously counter to what you would argue they should be doing, but that's what they're all doing. And all of those have long-term domino effects on coastal marine ecosystems. This was in 2021. Nobody said anything. 
Here's the WHO. Used disposable face masks are significant source of microplastics in the environment. Nobody cares. Here's Derek Bros pointing out the Atlantic is such a propaganda rag. That take this as a sign that the pandemic narrative is not over yet and never was. Masking, Grad said, is something, quote, we should work to normalize so that people can feel free to make the decision to mask when they feel like it. Is it time to start mask again? That's despite what we just showed you guys. It's not even about the reality. This is just narrative and agenda. That's it. And these social engineers in the Western press that are either too dumb to see it or don't care. Now, going over to variants to pretty much finish this off, or last point being the World Economic Forum, see where we are. We're not bad. Okay, so this is the important part. So this is why this is all coming back, guys. Fauci is straight up telling you, not maybe, not we don't know, which is what the what you should do. He's saying it is going to come. We know it. They are coming. Variants are coming. Fauci told BuzzFeed News that the variants will rise up in places where, quote, you have large pockets of unvaccinated people, which is just the literal counter to the reality, that give the virus room to evolve. Now, I'm not saying that people that are unvaccinated aren't also adding to, if this is really what's happening, right? With what we pretend we know about this stuff, the idea is that this thing, anytime this, even what they're telling you, anytime this transmits, what Fauci himself says, the transmission, right? There are, there, the whole thing they're pretending is that only unvaccinated people are transmitting this, except for the reality that the exact opposite is what's happening. And I'll prove it to you. That by and large, the vast majority, three times the amount are people who are injected, they're spreading this. That's the direct data from the entire UK that they're now hiding from you. Four times the risk of transmission if you have any shot in your body. So if he's talking about transmission being the, the thing that can help this evolve, well, it's pretty obvious the people that are injected are the ones doing the most of that. So it's a no-brainer. And that is what Fauci is saying. He's just trying to pretend that transmission is not happening in those categories. If you have large pockets of unvaccinated people, you give the virus room to evolve because it's tra- because he's claiming it's transmitting between them. So if I can prove it's transmitting between the unvaccinated, isn't that also room for evolve? Yes, it is. In fact, that's the exact situation where it does the most kind of manipulation evolving towards more dangerous things. But before we get to that, here's Desert News. Dr. Fauci confirms new variants are coming. Pretty prescient, huh? Fauci explains the more COVID variants will lead to upticks in cases, which basically just mean a PCR test, which could be or could not be anything, which could come throughout the year at any point. Basically, this is just them saying it's always there forever. And when we tell you it's back, it's going to be back. In fact, the rise in COVID variants could lead to seasonal COVID, which is what they've always been telling you from day one. It's like the flu and you're going to get shots every year and it's going to be every three months. And they're all telling you this right now, if you're actually listening, where the virus picks up its strength every few months. It's weird how it's always centered around three months, isn't it? You remember that? You remember that old conversation? Let me see if this even pops up still. Yep, there it is. <laughs> remember this conversation, which they screamed fake news about, you're so fake news because we keep showing you that St. Louis and two other governments got caught. I wasn't able to save them saying exactly the truth. Way back then, this was February 16, 2021. They deleted this because they exposed that what I think they all knew they were going to be saying, which was that the term fully vaccinated person, after three months from the last dose, you're no longer fully vaccinated. Weird how they knew it all the way back then that it was going to be three months. Isn't that strange? Because there's been this has been coordinated from the beginning, guys, at some level. I think we see the blips where there are more cases going forward as new variants emerge. 
It says Fauci told BuzzFeed News that variants will rise up in places where you have large pockets of unvaccinated people. Well, let's look at the facts. Here is the UK government, the one of the only places a moment ago that was still giving you data. Now none of them do. They just tell you here's what we here's what's happening. Trust us, because you'll misunderstand it because you're too stupid. Basically, their argument: we're not misunderstanding anything. That's showing you what's happening right there. Unadjusted rates for person people vaccinated with three doses. Unadjusted rates for persons not vaccinated. Look at the comparison. This is per one hundred thousand from eighteen and above. Every single category. Now, you know my thoughts of why I think the under 18 is grossly manipulated, but that's another story. Even that's basically the same. The point is that you have almost a four-time increased risk of getting COVID-19, if that's what we're talking about here, if you have three shots in your body. Look at it for yourself on the podcast. It's right in front of you, right in front of us. (laughs) The point is that it's almost three times the risk. So if you understand what even Fauci is saying... Transmission is what drives it. Well, you're looking at the transmission being driven predominantly by the people with injections. They just don't want you to see that. That's why they now hide this. And they say it in their last report that we're no longer going to show you this data because you're too stupid to understand it, even though it's right in front of you. Here is the important information about why I th- what I think is actually happening. Now, I've said this before. Here's 2015. Imperfect vaccination can enhance the transmission of pathogens. Now, is anyone pretending this thing is exactly perfect? Even they say, well, not a, no, no vaccine's perfect. Well, exactly. Because this is about stopping transmission. It's about stopping transmission as they yelled at you over and over and over. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. God, what a moron. Like, I'm just so frustrated by these people that she she gets promoted after she lies like that. Or rather, whether she even knows that she's lying. I mean, she's literally lying to you in real time. I mean, that's exactly what this shows the opposite of. And by the way, they've admitted that too, right? That was even during Delta. That's when she was saying that. So she's just dumb or lying. The point is, it's obvious that's what's happening is they're the ones predominantly spreading this. And they sold you on the idea that was the last thing that would happen. Then they shifted over to, well, it reduces your symptoms. But that's not the point, though, right? That very clearly then indicates this was imperfect because they planned for one thing and something else happened, or at least that's the narrative. So what happens with an imperfect vaccination? Well, here's what it says. Some, could some vaccines drive the evolution of more virulent pathogens? Conventional wisdom is that natural selection will remove highly lethal pathogens if host death greatly reduces transmission. That's, a, that's without anything, right? Because they'll get super sick and die before something can transmit. But vaccines that keep hosts alive, like we're talking about here, but still allow transmission, like we're talking about here, could thus allow very virulent strains to circulate in the population. Well, that's exactly what's happening. Now, here's the difference, though. Either they meant to do this, or I argue it was just their, their malfeasance. Clearly, what's happening is there's more than just not stopping transmission. There's blood clots. You know, the spike protein, the mRNA, the lipid nanoparticles causing all sorts of things, blood clots, heart attacks, Bell's palsy. 
thrombosis. I mean, we've talked about all of these things. So either that was something they just hid from you or they didn't know what happened. And the point was, if that is the case, you could see how it would make sense that what this would do was create a situation where only the unvaccinated would get hurt by it. And the people that did get the injection wouldn't stop the transmission like they promised, but would keep making it more virulent, but keep protecting them. But that's not even what's happening because even those people are getting sick, going to the hospital, dying in large numbers, as even the numbers up here do show you. The, the most, in fact. I'll keep it in there. You can look at it for yourself. So here's the next one, and this makes the point all the more clear. Leaky vaccines promote the transmission of more virulent viruses. This is 2015, 16, excuse me. Not all vaccines prevent infection. Some, known as leaky vaccines, prolong host survival or reduce disease symptoms without preventing viral replication and transmission. So if you argued they wanted to do that, let's create something that would only hurt the people that didn't take it. Doesn't that sound like the kind of thing that they're even almost trying to do now? Unless they messed up and it's hurting those people too. And now they're trying to dig their way out of a hole. Just one theory. It says, although leaky vaccines provide anti-disease benefits to vaccinated individuals, new research, uh, just skipping to people, has demonstrated that leaky vaccines can make the situation for unvaccinated individuals worse. Leaky vaccines work by enhancing host immunity, so the person that takes it, to a particular pathogen without necessarily blocking or slowing viral replication. Couldn't you argue that that's what it looks like there is happening? Even though, again, don't forget that they are very clearly being hurt. That's just a secondary point in this conversation, because the reality is that if they set out to not hurt them, the argument would be that's exactly what ultimately is happening in regard to not stopping transmission. The result is that infected but vaccinated individuals could extend survival, allowing highly virulent pathogens that would normally reach an evolutionary dead end in a host to transmit. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing with the continual explosion of variants, which, by the way, exactly correlate with the administration of the vaccines. Isn't it weird that there was no explosion of variants during the time when nobody was vaccinated? Isn't that weird? These are just obvious examples. They're correlation, not causation, but they're obvious. So my point, again, is that when he's telling you that you have large pockets of unvaccinated people that are going to give it room to evolve, he is willfully lying to you about what's really happening. Because it's obvious that's the opposite of what's going on. And then we're seeing the explosion of variants correlate with this. So they're creating this. And maybe that was the point. And that's all a bunch of lies. Or maybe they set out to hurt people that didn't go along with their narrative. And so they could go see they should have taken it because they're not listening. They're conspiracy theorists. However you want to look at it, guys, these are all hypothetical. The bottom line is the data, peer-reviewed science and otherwise, and direct data from the governments tell you Fauci's lying if you choose to look at it. And all of this, guys, including Ukraine, by the way, drives us in this direction. Documents confirm Canada's plan to use COVID as a leverage as leverage for the World Economic Forum agenda. And this shouldn't even be a secret by now, because plenty of governments have, in fact, admitted this as coming out and saying, well, it's a perfect opportunity to reimagine our world, right? Which is exactly what even Klaus Schwab is saying. Canada has already adopted major World Economic Forum goals and initiatives, and a newly shared document indicates the country is embracing these objectives, the World Economic Forum. And don't forget, before all this started, they were pushing this all in, and COVID was a perfect example to make it connect. So it just so happened to connect all the dots. You could look at it like that as a coincidence, or you could realize there's planning here. Documents recently shared by Rebel News show, and make sure you check them out on superu.net, that in December 2020, then Minister of Global Affairs, Christina Freeland, described Canada's plan to use COVID-19 as leverage to adhere to the goals of the World Economic Forum. 
Briefing notes for Freeland that Rebel News obtained through an access to information filings were provided to Freeland upon her invitation to serve as co-chair of the fourth meeting of the Global Action Group on the post-COVID-19 world, hosted by World Economic Forum. Again, the post-COVID-19 world. So you see, they're trying to pretend like this is in the context of, context of COVID. But they're literally going like, how are we going to do everything after this is not even going on anymore? They're using this as a stepping stone. That should alarm everybody with what they're telling you they're trying to do. Nobody's voting on this stuff. And they're, planning, they're pretending to reimagine your entire life. The run, the sh- run of show notes section made clear the meeting was intended to finalize and agree upon a set of principles for global cooperation created by the World Economic Forum. That's a direct quote. Freeland was asked to lead the conversation on the first of these principles, which was to, quote, strengthen global cooperation. Now, why does that even make sense under the guise of COVID-19? While recovery from the, well, I guess you could argue it from a viral pandemic standpoint, but that's one of the biggest manipulations in all this. While recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic was indicated to be one of the goals of such a global partnership, the document indicates that COVID recovery was considered not just an end in and of itself, in itself by a means, but a means toward the World Economic Forum's long-held aims of a more equitable and sustainable world, which, by the way, are not their objectives. Don't get swayed into thinking equitable and sustainable are bad things. That's the illusion. We should all be striving for sustainability at the very least in our lives. Equity is a different trap, but the point in general, not that the word itself is bad, just the way that it's framed today, but the point is that that's not what they're actually even doing, guys. It's leading to the exact opposite of that. Read the more for yourself, by the way. Here's the document you can read directly from World Economic Forum, Global Action Plan uh, on the post-COVID world. Post It's weirdly out of focus. I'm not sure why, but you can still read it. Now, here's where I'm pointing out that it leads into all these same things from Ukraine or COVID, whatever direction, towards the goals of the larger rate reset agenda. Ukraine war, pushing inflation glow higher globally, but that's not even what's happening. Like, you know how many times we've had these global wars and we haven't seen the same kind of things? We do see some effect, yes. But the kind of global inflation we're seeing is not just because Russia or Putin they're making this happen. I've already shown you with this, the manufactured shortages from the fertilizer to the Union Pacific Railroad, how they're just arbitrarily going, you specific people can't use this many things, which is reducing like 90% of the things they're growing. It's crazy. They're making subjective, arbitrary choices that lead to a dramatic reduction in overall food scare, uh, production. They're creating food scarcity. That's on top of things that would naturally cause some level of decline anyway. Here's another point. Well, as you already showed you, Disclosed TV pointing out weeks ago, U.S. warns with no evidence at all that hackers have developed cyber tools, sort of like we know they have, like Vault 7 exposed, to compromise and gain full access over command and control networks of systems of certain industrial processes. Again, so when something happens, they can go, we told you, it's them, it's Russia, with no evidence, of course, and it could be, but we don't know that, and they've lied in the past. This is setting the table. Don't forget, we know as a matter of fact proven that they have the tools to carry out an attack and make it look like Russia did it, make it look like Iran did it. That was shown to you in the WikiLeaks Vault 7 release. But here's today. Oops, get rid of that one, this one. Russian hacking group comprised, compromised U.S. power companies. Now, here's what's interesting. This is April 17th, 2022. So if you do what they expect you to do, which most people in the two-party paradigm do, which is just skim, I shouldn't say that, but most people that are very, very tied into that top level of the manipulated part paradigm. I call them title skimmers. 
they just look at the title and they, if they, if they already agree with it, they believe it. If they don't, they think it's fake news. Russian hacking group control compromised U.S. power. Okay, you would think, oh my God, they did it. They're attacking us. Well, guess what it says? The Biden administration is warning about the potential for Russian cyber attacks on American soil. And in newly unsealed indictments, the Justice Department released details about cyber attacks. It says Russians have launched in the past. Wow. You're, are, are you, I mean, you couldn't have fr- titled that more dishonestly. They've compromised this because U.S. says, and they point back at things they didn't prove. I mean, the very least used to say U.S. says the Russian hackers in the past have taken action against U.S. God, that's what they've, that's what they're actually doing. But yet again, this is just them saying they can, they've never proven any of these things. The Russians pose a serious persistent threat. So again, it's just a hypothetical, ongoing, general thing. But people that don't know that will read this and go, didn't you know Russia already attacked us? They've already compromised us. They go, see, they've already, they, they gained full access before, we told you. You know what's missing from all of this? Any even evidence, let alone proof, this is happening. Read it for yourself. Between 2012 and 2017, the Justice Department says Russian intelligence agents accomplished targeted energy sector. All, we already know about these. They've already screamed about them before. They've never proven them. And even during the whole Russiagate fiasco, they got caught. Even during the election, they got caught for lying about what they said they did. And it turns out that the U.S. government was responsible themselves. Sort of like the DHS hacking things and getting caught for it after they claimed it was Russia. I mean, it just never ends. But this is them pointing back at stuff. And yet the mainstream press frames it as now. Because they know what they're supposed to be doing. It's just pretty ridiculous, guys. It really is. I mean, it can't get much more ridiculous. Oh, it looks like... (laughs) I think it looks like our video is already removed from from YouTube. (laughs) I love when that happens while we're live. It just shows you we're right on the money, in my opinion. But let's let's look real quick. Not like we should even care about YouTube at all. They're broken. Yep. Yes. Success. (laughs) let's finish off here because we're almost done the point here going forward where were we here is that they're lying to you you know and when you and as always when we prove they're lying that's when you get censored you can't prove it as patreon famously made clear it only becomes fake news when you prove it with source material now this is one of the things it's leading to as whitney webb shared with me a sort a sort of apple watch for the brain Oh, new custom fit earbuds, or maybe they're already out there and you're using them. Who knows what's going on? Designed to collect neural data. As usual, when these things are floated as the new thing, it's usually when they're already out there and have been tested already and they're already being used on you. But interesting reality to see where this is already going. And this is the whole wearables discussion where they keep telling you this is happening or coming. This is what people like Klaus Schwab have been openly telling you is not going to happen, but already happening because we're already there. That's what's important to understand. He's telling you we're in the fourth industrial revolution right now. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world, which we had, um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. Um, the the uh, cut which we have now um, is much too strong uh, in order not to leave traces. Oh, that wasn't even the right one. Hmm. Oh well. Well, there's the other one I played for you guys many times. I, I doesn't look like I have it lined up here. 
in any case, he he says the on top of that, if I, if I see it, I'll throw it in there. But he says on top of that, that this is the fourth industrial revolution. And that's what's happened. I, I know I've got that in there. That's incredible. I must have uh, deleted it by accident. Oh, well, I'll get it back. Let me see if I can do this real quick. Let's grab Klaus from the videos here. That's the Schwab opening. Here we go. This is the one. The fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. The difference of this fourth uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who exactly. are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. It is important to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had, um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is... And we already played that one for you. But so we are definitely down on YouTube, by the way. And just for that, just for the record on that, it's important to understand that uh, that we are going to be going to a new. For those that like don't get the pirate stream thing yet, so that channel is now going to be down, right? So we'll be jumping to a new pirate stream and probably a new one, just because I'm going to keep trying to rotate new ones in there. But this that that's why it's obvious that we're having an effect because they keep knocking the channels down, they keep getting thousands of views, regardless of how many subscribers they have. We are showing their censorship is meaningless, guys. Join us. Stop caring about their likes and shares and videos and their metrics. Just make sure you get your community involved and you don't have to worry about those censorship. Just jump to another channel. Like if, I mean, if your community is engaged with the idea of the pirate streams, Corbett's doing it, right? This is something that I hope everybody gets involved in. Hashtag T-Lab pirate streams. Now, the point was, this is where it's going. And he's telling you that's where you're going. As it's called fake news by the Western press. Now, finally, the bottom line is there's a lot of other things happening that are trying to get you not to look at the stuff that we can prove right now. That's what's incredible is there's so much we can prove, even though they're not going to listen, even though they're going to shout you down and say you're wrong and say science says and blah, blah, blah. They are they're wrong and they either know it or they don't care. It's obvious, though, mass, not statistically significant, period. Right. The injections are dangerous, period. They're hurting people, period. All this has been proven in every possible way with science, with peer reviewed information, with observational data. I mean, it's coming out everywhere. So while we have all of this that we can prove, and I never say that lightly, there are things happening that I believe are being done. And I'm not sure whether it's by accident. Maybe the people don't know they're doing this. But topics like this next one that I think are being placed out there to to deceive you. Now, this one is about the this Watch the Water documentary with Artis and, and Stu Peters. Now, the point is that this is, I mean, pretty broadly shown by, I mean, here's, here's Richard, and that's not because he says it that I think this, I did, I'm looking into this myself, I watched the whole thing, but Dr. Richard Fleming is pretty clear that this is very, very wrong. Now, he's a doctor, consider his opinion. You can read the article for yourself, Off Guardian definitely thinks this is not real, my point is that whether or not it's real, the argument being made in this video is wildly subjective. It could be, sure. It's also a lot of religious connotations and like video clips from mainstream media. Like it's just or from uh, just like TV shows. Like it's, 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 a, it's a theory that's being floated as fact. 
And that makes me always very suspicious. Bottom line is, read this article for yourself, watch the documentary for yourself. But you have to recognize, like we're talking about in Ukraine, if there is no actual evidence other than connection, correlation, then you shouldn't walk away thinking this is absolute. I got sent this by 70,000 people, which obviously then raises my suspicion, because that only has ever really happened to me in the past with things that are suspect. And the same argument I made before, even with the graphene oxide discussion, just with this, I'm not saying it's fake. I don't know that. And just like I said with graphene oxide, when we did that first video, even though that was taken out of context, that I said from the very beginning, I actually felt that the argument about that was probably real, but that this, the way they covered it was suspect, which added doubt to it so they could undermine the reality of that thing, which is continually being flushed out, in my opinion, to be a valid concern, whether that's because it's in something we're dealing with or because they want, they want to when we're talking about graphene dots and all this different stuff that are pretty concerning to me. If you want to know more about that, it's not a hypothetical conspiracy theory. There's plenty of peer-reviewed science about even using them in injections right now. So it's not something you should dismiss, but whether or not it's really currently happening is up for debate, but there's a lot going on there. So same thing here. My concern here is that this is unverified. It's a statement of, of correlation that's being taken way out of, I mean, it's, it's alarming to me why we would even dive into this when there's nothing to actually prove that it's happening other than the possibility and then on top of that, and trust me, I've seen it about the discussions and the fact checks and all the different things and how there is correlation and how it could be this. Yes, I'm with you. It's interesting, but not proven. And I definitely don't even think it makes sense on a larger scale and neither do a lot of other experts. So you should just question it is what I'm saying. But the larger point is why focus on this like so many are doing in the partisan media when we can prove so much else. You're not going to win people over by pointing at this who you're trying to convince. Because even to people like us, it seems a little bit out there. So my point being is let's stick with what we can prove, guys. And of course, the last point would simply be, to be quite honest, that when you see the characters that have all kind of collected around this story, I, it doesn't surprise me. And it's not to say that I necessarily are people that would choose to deceive you, but to people that, in my opinion, tend to be pretty subjective with their reporting. That's just my opinion. I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm just saying that largely when you see these kind of things and the same kind of people tend to jump on it and interview the same people around they, and they're all with their religious connotations thrown. And look, I'm a Christian. I've made that clear plenty of times in the past, but I will never bring in the subjective discussion about those things and use that to push a discussion around journalism. Because to me, that's the exact that's counterintuitive to proving something. Because whether or not we believe it, it's subjective to people that you report. You see my point? So when you bring in these rapture conversations, it completely undermines the validity of it. Other two people that you're trying to tap into, like, I don't know, the Christian, right? Just a thought. Bottom line is, be skeptical, guys, because I believe a lot of people are being tricked and a lot of people are tricking you. And that goes specifically, more, mostly to the people like this, the public health officials. Steve Kurtz continued to do a great job here. He says, in case you missed it, two mainstream docs admit they were wrong. They now realize that public health officials cannot be trusted with public health decisions. This, this, this is a, a, an image, but you, the, this is definitely real, and you can look these people up. This is Marty McCary, who's always been calling out the lies, just pointing out that Vinay Prasad, MD, is changing his stance. He says, pre-COVID, I was strong supporter of public health having broad legal authority to take action, like, you know, lockdowns and forcing injections, but public health broke the social contract. They mandated two-year-olds to wear masks, but ran zero random control trials to reduce uncertainty. Exactly my point. 
pushed Vax passports, even though the clear Vax could, it was clear that Vax could transmit. Exactly my point. As he says, you're correct. Public health officials broke the contract. So as we're watching even these staunch defenders of the narrative switch, I think it's showing you everything. People that weren't that weren't dishonest are waking up to the illusions because we are breaking it for them. And this one here, a federal judge just struck down the cloth mask mandate, which we just talked about. It says maybe someday we'll actually be able to question a public health official on their insane policies. But today we can definitely, but whether they're going to listen is the question. And not just health, not just health officials, but, you know, just general officials, right? Because here's Mr. Wildhair over here going, oh, I'll apologize again, right? Boris just going, I apologize for doing exactly what I knew was wrong and what I would have arrested you for. My bad. That's how this keeps going. Gavin Newsom, Dr. Burks. I mean, you just, you, it's an endless list of the very people that were putting people in jail for violating the smallest of restrictions. And he just gets to go, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it until he does it again. And then he goes, I'm sorry, it was an accident. I should have known better. They treat you like you're a child. As always, they would rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. Johnson apologizes to Parliament for breaking the law. Next time I break the law, can I just go, I'm sorry, my mistake. Does that work? Right? When I when I get caught for breaking some kind of restriction, can I just go, oh, I miss my mistake, it was a mistake, and you just let me go? No. Only for powerful people, they get to pretend like they're sorry, and then it all goes away. Or they get to, at worst, resign from their position and act like that's enough. Like war criminals just go, I'll resign in disgrace. How about you go to prison for the war crimes? <laughs> nah, just let him resign. Finally, guys, I want to play these clips on the way out. Death by Remdesivir is an interview with Dr. Artis, the very person that was in the interview of that documentary. Because I very clearly do believe that the Remdesivir discussion is very sound, as the point I made before. Whether or not Dr. Artis was involved in that story, it's a very sound story. And that's not even to undermine his valid points around the discussion. My point is to say that with regard anybody, whether it's him talking about it, whether it's Dr. Fauci talking, whatever, it's a sound discussion. The remdesivir study from the New England Journal of Medicine is very clear. So too is the observational information and so too is the other studies around what this is capable of. The point is simply just to show you that, that I think that at the end of the day, whether he may not see that, or maybe that he's being taken out of context, which kind of don't, anyway, the point is, this is included because it's about remdesivir, but listen to what this nurse is telling you. A real nurse on the front lines telling you what she knows. Now, you don't have to trust her blindly, but just recognize this is an expert who has an opinion that you should listen to, who is telling you what she's been trying to let people see and what they're doing still. And this, guys, is as criminal as it gets because people are dying. And you could even argue the way that she's describing this, and I would agree that people are being put to death. And I know that's an extreme statement, but at some level, somebody knows this is happening. I don't know how you'd frame it any other way. But thank you for being here, guys, and continuing to fight for the truth. I love you all, as always. Question. Make sure I've got that actually queued up. I thought, uh, oh, that's right. Let me grab real quick before we go. Get the first one. All right. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions, guys. Stay vigilant. What we saw on these front lines, we knew what was happening. And when we asked for the ibuprofen, they said, no, it was contraindicated. When we asked, like, why aren't we giving them steroids? Oh, well, it's not. We're just following orders. Following orders has led to the sheer number of deaths that has occurred in these hospitals. I didn't see a single patient die of COVID. I've seen a substantial number of patients die of negligence and medical malfeasance. 
Um, when I was on the front lines of New York, I'm unfortunately known uh, globally viral as the nurse that was in the break room sobbing, saying that they were murdering my patients. The pharmaceutical companies had gone into those hospitals and decided to um, practice, I guess you can say, on, on the minorities, on the disadvantaged, on the marginalized populations that we know that we had no advocates for because the very agencies that should have been protecting them were closed because we were sheltering in place. Now, while I was there and I saw that the pharmaceutical companies were rolling out remdesivir onto the patients, I tried to get a hold of the IRBs. I tried to get a hold of my appropriate chain of command. See, I tried CMS. I tried Department of Health. And they rolled out remdesivir onto a substantial number of patients for which we all saw it was killing the patients. And now it's the FDA-approved drug that is continuing to kill patients in the United States. As nurses, we've co collected a statistical or descriptive amount of information that you may not get from the doctors because for more they do quantitative data. We do qualitative data with a humanistic, phenomenological approach in nursing research. And so we've collected the data from all of these patients across the country from which we have been helping patients because I formed the organization American Frontline Nurses and the Advocacy Network so nurses could advocate for these patients. And all of this data pool shows that as these patients get remdesivir, they have a less than 25% chance of survival if they get more than two doses. Now they're rolling it out on children as well and into the nursing homes or school nursing facilities as early intervention when as Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Merrick have already demonstrated that there are cost-effective medications out there and we are going to see the amplification of death across our country. What we saw in these front lines, we knew what was happening. And when we asked for the ibuprofen, they said, no, it was contraindicated. When we asked, like, why aren't we giving them steroids? What we saw in these front lines, we knew what